Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk to recorded live. live. Um, I'm fiddling my little switch here because my earphones are not working great. I have not been able to um, replace my mic and headphones a long time. I don't think they even make them anymore, but I'm going to start looking for some. They're probably in the clearance bins now because what I use is a hands-free headset for a cordless phone. We're talking the cordless phones like the old days that you pull them off the charger and you walk around with them. So nowadays, the things they make are made for like computer systems and things like that. So it's hard to find one that works. I had one that plugged into the phone, but it didn't work with the phone. So it has some different type of um, operation. So I don't know. I haven't come into the 21st century yet. I'm still doing the old stuff, like Lily Tomlin cranking it up. And, you know, is this the party to whom I'm speaking? Just kidding. All right. Um, it's 7.33 p.m. Um, it is March 10th, 2016, and I am up in Bangor, Maine, in the very northeastern uh, part of the U.S., way up in the corner. But it's not the most northeastern city because I grew up in the most northeastern city, which is Caribou, Maine. That was our claim to fame up there. I don't even know if it's still true, but I think it is. All right. um, I sat down today and I tried to organize like I said I was going to try to do. And um, there hasn't been a whole lot going on this week as far as anything that's earth-shattering, in my opinion. Maybe I'll think of something. Um, I do have a few things that are interesting, at least to me, um, and I just wanted to make sure people saw certain things. So I came on tonight to, you know, just mostly do updating kinds of things and maybe ramble a bit about my opinions. Um, if you've never heard this show before, and I know that probably everyone that's here already has many times, I don't know who Guest 6 is, but it's probably one of the regulars that doesn't use a screen name. But if people download it and listen to it, I like to mention that um, this show just ranges all over the place. And the reason that it does is because it it is something that is used as a tool by me and I guess whoever wants to listen to it to help me organize my thoughts, um, think about what else I want to look into, um, try to try to do dot connecting, um, develop theories that I can either, you know, confirm or refute in my own mind because really who cares what I think other than maybe me and people who ask my opinion. But um, by doing this over a period of time, there are certain things that start to jump out. And um, I kept saying I was going to do some folders and things like that so that I could actually lay my hands back on different items I've used, and uh, finally started doing it with paper files. I haven't done it with digital files yet. But um, I have, like, headings for different things. I have piles of paper in my house. 
I've talked about this before, especially to James Ganimbellium. I was talking about the piles of stuff and how I have two of everything ever invented. And uh, because of working as a librarian for so long, um, I always had in the back of my mind that somebody needs this, somebody needs to know this, someone needs to find this. And even though we use Google searching and we use the Internet for all kinds of things, so we can go directly to the information we want most of the time, um, there are odd side trips that can be taken. And my thought process is, as you know, I frequently take those side trips. And then I try to come back to where I started and say why I went there. But um, there are also things that are only in print for a short period of time, and most people throw them away, and so they don't, you know, they are not much use. They don't get, they don't um, serve the purpose they could serve. That's my opinion as a librarian. So what I have is I have um, folders. I have things that relate to business, um, candidates in Maine so far by name. So I'm keeping their campaign literature. Most people throw that stuff as soon as they see it come in the mail, they throw it away. I'm keeping mine because I think over time you can use this in some way. You can pull out their little campaign slogans and, and uh, use them in future elections if they decide they're going to run again and you're not happy with it. Here's one. Um, I won't say the candidate, but here's one. It's fighting every day to make sure that Maine is open for business. Please vote November 6th. So um, I have those. I have uh, about five or six of the, of the guy that I said was my non-representative, which is Schneck, John Schneck, who unfriended me on Facebook because I asked him not to participate in the um, um, articles of impeachment against our government. Governor, I mean. Um, I have one on education. One on another candidate, let's see, another candidate, health, uh, political issues. That would be like things that are like Agenda 21 type stuff, you know, gun control or gay marriage or something. I have them all in one right now because I don't have a lot of that. Um, things to do with being a landlord, because I am one. Uh, the governor, some of my UDA notes that, you know, my things that I used to print out sometimes and then try to read them and I could never find what I wanted on the pages. But I, it's thick right now, so I'm going to be reducing that some more to get some more, maybe some more topics. UN Agenda 21 issues, things that have to do with uh, the rewilding of Maine um, and globalization, population control, all that stuff. And something on the general welfare of people, which would be like, um, you know, soup kitchens and welfare funding and things like that. So that's what I have so far um, because a lot of my stuff, like I say, I've saved links and I have things on, on my computer, but these are just pieces of paper that I have stacked all over the place so that when I come across it, I can put it in the right folder and hopefully I can lay my hands on it again. Like um, I had mentioned probably, I don't know how many months ago, I had been cleaning in a drawer in the desk, and I found a letter that I got from Janet Reno that I was going to use, and then I, I lost it again. I probably laid it down in a pile of paper thinking I was going to pick it right up again, and it got buried. But I never throw anything away unless I've looked at it. So 
It should be here somewhere. It may show up again. You never know. Okay, so i got to scroll down because I don't know if you guys are telling me, hey, I can't hear you. Okay, so... Um, Uh, let's see. I think everything is okay in there by the looks of it. Okay, so um, this morning I listened to a bunch of videos. I was um, trying to catch up a few things that I thought had I'd gotten way behind on. Um, Donald Trump was on with Hannity, I think it was last night, and um, I thought it was a really good video. It was for an hour program, but of course with the cutting for commercial breaks and things like that. It was about 40 minutes, I think, and it was excellent. It was really good. It, in my opinion, it showed um, the person. It showed Donald Trump more in his, what I would assume is his element than what you normally would um, see and what the media is saying about him and everybody is, you know, the people that are tearing him down are saying about him. I don't know what the truth is as far as his involvement with some of the um, illegal backdoor dealings of the upper level of our criminal in government. But when I see it, I will certainly talk about it. It's nothing that I would feel like I should have to um, protect. So... I thought I had that link here, and I don't see it. Maybe somebody else has it, or else I'll see if I can find it real quick. I'm sure it's here somewhere. Um, it was really, really good. And I think I saw it on Facebook, which is hard if you haven't gone to YouTube to get it. Sometimes you can't see it if you don't have Facebook. So I try to get you the ones from YouTube instead. Yes, guest six, I know about Janet Reno. Um, my my um, point that I made when I was talking about it was how our views can change about things because what happened was at the time when Waco happened, I thought that these people were being unfairly held out as um, doing something wrong. I didn't believe it was wrong what was going on, and it was probably because I was believing the media. And so I wrote a letter to Janet Reno. I wrote a letter to the president, I believe, and to her, and I almost think there was a third letter too, but I can't remember now. It was a long time ago. But I got back a letter from Janet Reno. <laughs> and I, I, so I say, you know, we can't always stick to the same, the same views over the course of our lifetime unless we're just not learning anything new. So it, in a way, I should take that letter and put it in a frame on the wall to remind myself that praising people who are doing such evil things can um, can come from a good heart, <laughs> even though it's just that you were uninformed. So I was uninformed at the time about what was actually going on there. There was a lot of talk at the time, I don't know if you remember, but there was a lot of talk at the time that there was child abuse going on in that place and that those children were terrified. And so I'm not sure so sure of who was terrified of who. But there were a lot of conflicting stories at the time. Anyway, that's why the Janet Reno thing. And also um, on that story, um, somebody 
had posted, I think it was on Godlike Productions, they were saying, remember when a six-year-old was taking it, taken at gunpoint and deported? That related to that story, too. The little boy that was taken back to Cuba. And uh, I can still see the look on his face. He was terrified when they took him. It was a raid. Case you're too young to remember. I'm sure there are people in the room right now that remember that very well when that little boy was taken. Okay, so um, yes, six. I'm not. I'm not upset at all. I think people should say what they think. So I'm just clarifying in case you didn't know how I felt about it. I'm not feeling threatened by that at all. Whatever people want to, you know, say and they believe. If that's coming from what you truly believe and you're convicted about it, I believe you ought to say it because that's important. We have a lot of people um, who are perfectly fine with shutting up other people, and I'm not one of them. It takes a lot before I shut someone up. They have to be abusive, basically. And then at that point, it's like, you know what, you're you're not respecting, you're abusive, I don't need to put up with it because I'm not your, you know, I'm not your babysitter and I'm not the daycare director so anyways um so i said i was going to look for that and then i forgot to go do it so let me go see if i can find that real quick i bet i can hopefully it's right on um youtube um anyway like i was saying i believe they were in fayette north carolina and it was yesterday here is fox news insider let's see if this is the one this 21 hours ago. It was really good. Anyway, I felt it was a good one. Um, and I don't particularly like Sean Hannity. I've seen him act very obnoxious to people when there was no need to. I mean, sometimes you have to be obnoxious because it's just, you know, you're being pushed or whatever and you have to make a point. But it was a time when he didn't need to be doing it and he was obnoxious. So, like, that stuck in my head, too. And as soon as it came on, then it told me I needed to subscribe or something. What the heck? Um, well, it says, uh, I don't know, this is supposed to be Fox News Insider. All right, I'm just going to give it to you. I don't know. There might be a link on here to watch it. I can't imagine they wouldn't have one. I just can't see it right now. I saw it on Facebook, so um, that was the Donald Trump and Sean Hannity, um, it was like a really big crowd, actually. It was a pretty good crowd. People kept yelling out, but it wasn't bad. It was like, um, um, it was like, I don't know, like they treated it as though they were all cheerleaders. So I don't know whether they were, they were cheerleaders or protesters, but people yelled out a few times and they just smiled at them and, Donald Trump acted like it was a compliment. So, um, let's see. Um, everyone believed they had problems with the kids. I'm lost. Oh, okay. Down in Waco, you mean? But who knows? If you're still talking about Waco, I remember thinking this is just bizarre because they were saying that. Um, David Koresh was like the father of like a billion of those kids, like he was sleeping with all the women. It's possible that he was. I don't know. But it was a cult-type thing. 
in the first place, which meant that unless somebody was there being held against their will, it was their own choice to be there. So I really don't know. I mean, I have a lot of issues with um, any time the government comes in and tramples on people. I don't really know what their problem was, honestly. And I followed it fairly closely at the time, but I still don't really understand what their problem was, why they had to go in there and do that. But I'm older now. I'm older now. I think about things a lot differently. So, All right, so let's see. Number two, I said the world political situation. What the heck does that mean? must have been thinking about something on my list of links. But let's see. The world political situation. Oh, um, I saw on a site called the Free Thought Project that a U.S. entire carrier strike group confronting China and I thought that was kind of serious, so I took that link. Um, haven't heard anything else since. Haven't gone and looked into it much, but I figured it was a fairly large deal if it's true and um, should be mentioned. This was on, uh, let's see, it says March 4th, 2016, so it would have been like one day after we did UDA last week. It says, this won't end well. U.S. just sent an entire carrier strike group to confront China. And, uh, you know, I'm always thinking about our our uh, people being taken into harm's way for some of the stuff that really has nothing much to do with the United States except for that it's protecting somebody's money supply or whatever else they're doing. Um, and it looks like it's one of these sites that has a lot of pictures and junk on it. So I don't know if it's loading up my computer right now with cookies, but anyway. It says on Thursday, and it's jumping, on Thursday the U.S. Navy announced they dispatched a small armada of, it's probably some disinformation site here, they're loading up my computer. I might have to close it because <clears throat> I really don't want to look at the other content that's at the bottom that looks like terrible stuff, so stuff I don't want to click on. Um, stop jumping. My gosh, this is what Desert Pete says his does sometimes, so maybe it's their latest thing for us. Um, U.S. Navy announced they dispatched a small armada to the South China Sea consisting of the John C. Stennis aircraft carrier, two cruisers, two destroyers, and the 7th Fleet flagship. The U.S. is making their mission clear. We are not scared of kicking off World War III. And I'm getting off this website because it acts like it's going to lock my computer up. But anyway, I thought I'd tell you about that. Hopefully your computer doesn't do that when you go there. I saw something also this past week, something about a B-2, um, which I believe is a stealth bomber heading over to Asia because of some kind of thing with North Korea and Japan. But I didn't go back and find the article for that. I don't remember where I saw it. I just remembered that I did see it. So... Um, and then uh, there was a YouTube video with Donald Trump during the George W. Bush administration, and he was talking about our, um, it, it was related to the wars and stuff. I think it was the Iraq war, if I remember correctly. Get rid of this one giving me trouble already. 
I told you right before I came on, I, I disconnected from my network and then reconnected because it was already acting like it was doing something else. So hello out there in Utah. Pains in the butt that you guys are. It's just not going to want to close here. Fayetteville, North Carolina, not Fayette. Sorry, that, that one's still open and it's jammed up too. So Fox News is probably loading me up with ads and looking through my computer to see what kind of dogs I like and whether or not I still have a dog and <laughs> so they can send me ads. I don't know. Guys, well, I could just sit here and talk, I suppose. I could talk about anything. As Bellian has said before, she can talk about anything. For two hours. Yes, I can. All right, I'm going to skip that for now. I'm going to go to the next thing. See if I can find something more local. Maybe it will let me look at my own stuff. Um, now I'm into task manager. Okay, let's see. We're going to close this one. End task. Told me it couldn't do it. Now I've ended all of my browser. Yay. This is why we're still on the phone, folks. All right, so since it closed my room, I'll be back there in a minute. I'm going to take advantage of it, and I'm going to open up. It will let me. U.S. Breaking News Feed, this website is called. Um, we're going to stop being the country that gets pushed around. This is the one with Hannity. He was talking to Hannity. And he was talking about uh, the penny, something about a penny plan. That I'm looking at, that's not even the page I was on. You may already have web chat open. If you want to participate in this call, please close any other instances of the talk shoe web chat client and click OK to try again. I'm going to cancel that because I'm thinking if it's open that it might be here anyway. No, it says I have timed out. I'm going to open a new window. I'm going to see if I can come back into the talk show. And usually I can, but what's happened is then I won't be able to see what you've typed in the chat previous to when I came back in. So let's just see if it will let me back. Otherwise, I'll just keep talking until I can figure it out, or I'll just say the heck with it and start over in a half an hour. Not that it isn't earth-shattering. Anything that <clears throat> I might talk about is usually just rambling anyway. All right, it says I have eight participants. Start my call, which I already did. Okay, I'm clicking because it says it's already open. It says that it's going. It's showing you guys in there. So I guess somebody needs to type and tell me if you can still hear me because I'm back in the chat. But everything's erased from previously. 
I'm going to continue on, and when people type, I'll know whether or not you're still there. Okay, this one, which is a completely different link than what I was talking about before, usbreakingnewsfeed.com, uh, Trump to cut every single Fed department except one, liberal serious. Um, it says Brendan McDermott did the picture, Reuters, Landoff, whatever that is. Donald Trump knows we have to cut federal spending, but if comments he made Monday on Fox News are any indication, he's not going to let it stand in the way of a badass military. During the appearance on Hannity, Trump endorsed the Penny Plan, a spending cut that's been put forth by many conservative thinkers and pundits, including host Sean Hannity. Under the Penny Plan, one cent would be cut out of every dollar of federal spending for five consecutive years, thus eliminating the budget deficit. However, Trump said it wouldn't apply to the military, something that no doubt has liberals absolutely furious. I like the concept of the penny plan, Trump said. Not for the military, because the military we have to build up. It's a pretty good plan, he added, and it's a pretty simple plan. So that's the one that I was trying to get when everything was nuts. Penny plan. Haha. <laughs> I see what you said in there, guest six. Did you say terrible things about me? Uh-oh. Penny plan there. All right. Um, so there's that one. Let's see what else I've got if I get into trouble again or not. Hopefully I don't. <clears throat> I don't know what happened that caused that. Some website. Probably the one I was on that I told you had the weird stuff down at the bottom because it was probably loading like porn on my computer so they can say I was looking at porn. No, thank you. I don't need to. I have a really wild imagination and I don't need to look at somebody's pictures. Okay. Wars overseas. That was one of them. Donald Trump during GWB administration. Illuminati exposed Donald Trump admitting everything is a lie. This was um, Wolf Blitzer and Donald Trump. And it says it was put on April 29, 2013, but I think it was um, earlier than that. I'm not sure what the date of this video was. Um, I think I'm going to play this while I try to figure out what's going on with my computer, see what happens. You guys can listen to this for a couple minutes, and you can talk about me if you want. I don't care. I won't be upset one way or the other. If you want to get tea and come back, that's fine, too. Um, but that way, it, what he said on here will be saved. Donald Trump on um, everything is a lie. said that one thing. <laughs> That's all right because I'll see the chat when I go to Chat Grabber later and uh, read it all. All right, I'm going to play this. Um, let me know if you can't hear it, and then I'm going to see what I can use that isn't going to jam up my computer. So hang on. Hang right on, as we say in Maine, until I get this going. Catastrophe, nothing less. It is such a shame that this took place. In fact, I gained a lot of respect for our current president's father by the fact that he had the sense not to go into Iraq. 
thinking, won the war, and then said, let's not go the rest of the way. And he turned out to be right. And Saddam Hussein, whether they like him or didn't like him, he hated terrorists. He'd shoot and kill terrorists. When terrorists came into this country, which he did control and he did dominate, he would kill terrorists. Now it's a breeding ground for terrorists. So, uh, look, the war is a total catastrophe. Who do you blame? And they have a civil war going on. Who do you blame? Well, there's only one person you can blame, and that's our current president. I mean, obviously, Rumsfeld was a disaster, and other people that are giving him advice have been a disaster. And Condoleezza Rice is a lovely woman, but she never makes a deal. She doesn't make deals. She waves. She gets off the plane. She waves. She sits down with some dictator, 45-degree angle. They do the camera shot. She waves again. She gets back on the plane. She waves. No deal ever happens. So, I mean... You've got to close the deal at some point. You've got to make deals. The world is dying to make deals, and we don't have the right people doing it. The Vice President Dick Cheney. Well, he's obviously a very hawkish guy on the war. He said the war was going fantastically just a few months ago, and, you know, it's just very sad. I don't know if they're bad people. I don't know what's going on. I just know that they got us into a mess, the likes of which this country has probably never seen. It's one of the great catastrophes of all time, and perhaps even worse, the rest of the world hates us. You go throughout Europe. I travel. I do deals all over the world. The Europeans hate us. You go to Germany. You go to England. You go to places that, you know, we didn't have problems with. They all hate the Americans because of what's happened. We had a chance after September 11th to be the most popular, for the first time ever, to be the most popular nation on earth, and we blew it. Everybody, for the first time, people felt sympathy. I'm not saying it's a great thing to have sympathy in terms of yourself, but for the first time, they felt a sympathy and a love for this country because of what happened, and we blew it. How does the United States get out of this situation? Is there a, is, how do they is get there a way out? You know of how it? they get out? They get out. That's how they get out. Declare victory and leave, because I'll tell you, this country is just going to get further bogged down. They're in a civil war over there, Wolf. There's nothing that we're going to be able to do with a civil war. They are in a major civil war, and it's going to go to Iran, and it's going to go to other countries. They are in the midst of a major civil war, and there's nothing. And by the way, we're keeping the lid on a little bit, but the day we leave anyway, it's all going to blow up. And Saddam Hussein will be a nice person compared to the man, and it will be a man. It will not be a woman. That we understand. People say, oh, gee, you didn't give the women a chance. It will be a man. Compared to the person that takes over for Saddam Hussein, he will be considered a nice person. This guy will be the meanest, the worst guy, and he'll have one thing, one thing. He will hate America, and he'll use that to flame. So, I mean, this is a total catastrophe, and you might as well get out now because you're just wasting time. And lives. You know, nobody talks about the soldiers that are coming back with no arms and no legs. And I saw at Mar-a-Lago on Mondays, I make Mar-a-Lago my club that you know about. In Palm Beach. I make that twice now. On a Monday, I let returning Iraqi injured soldiers come to the premises. The most beautiful people I've ever seen. But they're missing arms and legs. They're with their wives. Sometimes they're with their girlfriends. And the tears are coming down the faces of these people. I mean... The thousands and maybe hundreds of thousands, and the Iraqis that have been just maimed and killed. This war is a horrible thing. Now, President Bush says he's religious, and yet 400,000 people, the way I count it, have died, and probably millions have been badly maimed and injured. What's going on? What's going on? And the day we pull out, it's going to explode.
We're keeping the lid on a little bit. It's still a catastrophe. But the day we pull out, because they're in a civil war, whether we want to admit it or not, they're in a civil war. What do you, what do you think of some of these uh, scandals that are unfolding in Washington right now? As we speak, uh, the attorney general is under fire, Alberto Gonzalez. Uh, wh what do you make of this as an executive trying to watch an administration? Look, everything in Washington has been a lie. Weapons of mass destruction was a total lie. It was a way of attacking Iraq, which he thought was going to be easy, and it turned out to be the exact opposite of easy. He reads 60 books a year. He reads a book a week. That's, do, you think that's, do you think the president reads a book a week? I don't think so. He doesn't watch television. Now, one thing I know is that when I'm on television, I watch, or I try. Because you do. Your own ego says, you know, let's watch. Let's see whether it's good or bad. You want to watch, right? He doesn't watch television. So he's on television being interviewed by you or somebody else. He doesn't watch. Does anybody really believe that? Now they're doing this whole scandal with the U.S. attorneys. Now they're finding emails. And it's proven to be a lie. Everything's a lie. It's all a big lie. Wow. The emails. I wonder what that meant. Okay, so that I don't know what year that was, when it was, but he was complaining about George W. Bush, so it was a while ago. <clears throat> and um, that was that one. Let's see. I hate to use those long ones, but it gives me a chance to catch my breath and see what the heck else is going on. Okay, um, back to the world political situation. It was that one. Um, and tried to color code them so I'd be able to tell them apart. Oh my gosh. I talked about the Asian stuff. I talked about the Hannity thing. I talked about that older one. This is a completely different thing, but it relates to the world. Um, and it's about uh, them lying, basically, to keep the public in the dark. And this one was something that I thought Desert Pete might have picked up on as well. Um, in the Miami Herald on March 7th, FPL nuclear plant canals leaking into Biscayne Bay, study confirms. And they were talking about elevated levels of tritium, I believe. Recent sampling of water in Biscayne Bay found higher than normal levels of tritium a rare hydrogen isotope produced by nuclear reactors and used to track water leaking from Turkey Point cooling canals. And um, I haven't heard about that on the national news, but I think it's pretty important. Um, you know, many of us have relatives in Florida, um, and in general, just because we care about other people, it doesn't sound like a good situation down there. Um, this isn't the kind of thing you want to be living in. But I'm sure people are on the beach right now and la vida. They don't have a clue that anything's happening. They're, you know, figuring that their watchdogs and the government are going to take care of them and make sure everything's fine. So, won't let me in my chat again. Okay, paste. Hello. Bluffdale, give me my paste function, please. Well, I think my chat room might be stuck again, so we'll see. Because my 
also my browser is like jamming up again. I'm going to continue on as much as I can until I can't anymore. So let's see what else I should get in here before it decides to just wrap out for the rest of the night. It won't let me get out of this. Back to my task manager. Don't talk about me in there. Okay. I'm going to close that one about the nuclear plant. And I'm going to close my links for now. And it just dumped me out again. Lovely. All right. I'm dumped out again. So I'm coming back. And it's telling me that I have all these windows open. And it wants to restore it. I think I'm not going to restore all of that, or I probably just caused the problem again. So I'm going to close that. If anyone in the chat knows whether or not they've updated anything like Java, um, what are the other ones? Um, forget what the other ones are. If they've updated anything that I should have done and haven't done, would you please let me know? Because I do my scans for malware, and I have Kaspersky running. So I don't know why I would be having trouble with stuff running in the background as much as it is right now. But I'm going to continue on. Okay, um, I'm going to try to come back into the chat. And it will let me back in. And then I'm going to go elsewhere than these news sites that seem to be full of junk making me sign in again. Okay. Just as long as it keeps recording so that we can something for this week. Sign in. All right. My talk show. Click. Eight participants. Start my call. Yeah, it's already started. You may have another talk show web chat open. No, I don't. It's actually dead. If you feel this message is not correct, you can try again by clicking OK. We're going to do OK because last time it worked. OK, I'm back somewhere. I'm back in. So now you have to stop talking about me. All right, now I'm going and get something else. Get away from those for a while. Um, I was, uh, I'll just talk for a couple minutes, see if it settles down. Able Danger, this past week, um, I was listening to the show, and Field was going to be on a show called Richie Allen, and I did listen to that finally, I think yesterday. It was about an hour long. It was really interesting. He even talked about uh, UFOs, which <laughs> I'm like, I've listened to these people for how many years now, and I don't believe I heard him talk about UFOs before. But he was talking about UFOs, and it was pretty interesting. So, um, And so anyway, that's a good one to go find. I don't have the link to it directly, but I believe you can get that on abledanger.org. They've switched over to org, I think, for most of their stuff now. Um, and I think, where the heck is Richie Allen? I think he's in UK. But he might be in New Zealand, because he has some people in New Zealand now that have been communicating quite a bit lately. And um, I missed the show yesterday, so I don't know what's going on Monday. I think it was jamming up. I can't remember if I was there very long Monday. 
I was there a little while, but um, I'm just I'm losing track of some of the stuff going on because apparently there was an affidavit filed on Tuesday, I think it was, and I asked him to send it to me, but he hasn't. I don't know if it's posted anywhere. Maybe somebody in the chat knows. But there was supposedly going to be an affidavit filed, and I believe it was in regard to some lien. Um, and there have been other liens filed against the um, the funds that should be ours, I believe. I think that's what it relates to. But the money doesn't belong to the corporate because the corporate did fraud against the people, so the money belongs to the people. And let's see, what else have I written here for a little note underneath? Um, oh, watch the endorsements um, of the candidates. Watch who is saying they want this person for president. Find out who they are, where they work, what their connections are, because I think that's going to help us see which groups these people are working for. Um, you know, it's the it's the association thing. You can have guilt by association, but you also, when you have strong associations between people, a lot of times it's because they're working together. They're getting a benefit. So something to think about, you know. So we have movers and shakers in the country, and some of them are doing good things and some aren't. They're just benefiting themselves. So keep an eye out on those. Um, on the mental health front, uh, something that I don't know if you have the same thing I have, but towards the end of winter and towards spring, I have days where I've got lots of energy and other days where I can barely move. I'm just tired and sick of it and yuck, you look out the windows, it's not that nice out. And uh, I'm finding that what's giving me energy back is shaking up my routine and doing things differently, just picking anything. It doesn't even matter. If you go to the store and you always buy the same stuff, just buy a different brand or look at something and say, that looks good, I'm going to try that instead. And just try something else. And uh, because we're getting into ruts, we're getting into the same thinking every day, the same routines, it is something that people do naturally. And then there's just times when you just get sick of it, completely sick of it. So I've you know, started some different things around town that make me making some of my friends laugh that I know in town, acquaintances and stuff. I told them I'm going back to the 60s. I was happy in the 60s. I'm going back to the 60s. I'm going to revitalize the 60s. So I've got some paisley stuff. I've dug out things that are, you know, wild patterns. Um, and anything that's just a little bit outrageous and individualistic, I'm digging it out and I'm wearing it around. Starting trends, I call it. So just for the heck of it. Um, there's a debate tonight. Um, I believe it's a Republican debate. It's supposed to be on, I think, at 8.30 on CNN. If people want to go watch it, they're more than welcome. I can't imagine there's anything that interesting or different that hasn't already been said. I think they said it's the 11th debate. I mean, really. If we don't know these people by now, I think we should be researching them anyway, because when they're on that stage, they're putting out a false front. They're putting out their sales, you know, their sales pitch, their elevator speech, only longer. They want to impress people and be voted for. At least that's what we think on the surface. They could be there because they hope to get someone else in office, but we know that we can't always second guess every single thing. You've got to look at their face. You've got to look at what they do. Use your own intuition. 
look up anything that's bothering you about the person and find out if your intuition is right, if you're, you know, you can validate what it is. And don't just listen to your best friends telling you because some of my really good friends happen to think that Bernie Sanders would be a great president. I'm like, are you serious? You know, are you serious? But I'm not going to say it. I really, truly believe that if you take enough people and you educate them and they make a decision, it's going to be the best decision than to have one person or even five people tell thousands of people what they should do. Because then you have the support. People feel it from their heart and their convictions, and they go out and they make decisions. And that is a stronger society. That is my opinion. I believe that we need strong individuals, not strong groups of individuals. It's too easy to follow, to sit down and be passive and let people tell you things and just spread it around and say, I did something. It's not good enough. You have to get out there and actually do something. Use your talents. And we have people in here right now in the chat that do things. I mean, they're, they're using their talent and they're doing things. Whatever it is you can do. I don't care if it's write a letter and stick a stamp on it and mail it somewhere. Because we all have our associations. We have people we've known our whole life. We have people that work in certain industries. Um, you know, find some accessible politicians, if you know any of them. Sometimes they come around because they want your vote, and that's a good time to grab them and tell them what you think. So just get out there and be brave and do it. They're not going to bite you. They want your vote. So um, what else I have on here? Um, Clinton, she was um, on a, I think it was a debate on Univision. I don't have cable TV, so some of these things I can't get, but I heard it on today on the, the various talk shows about um, the question she had about Benghazi, and the crowd started booing, and it was just, it wasn't a good time for her, I don't believe. I can't find that video, so I can't, I can't uh, give you the link to it, but I did hear it a lot on talk radio today, like I said. So... Um, think that's off my notebook. I'm going to put that aside and go back to my links. And hopefully my, it's just a WordPad document. It shouldn't be doing anything. Let's see what else is on here. That's, um, this, this was sent to me today by Jack McCarthy. Um, and it was a website that I don't know. Maybe you do. It's Dr. Rick Swire, S-W-I-E-R. Um, open letter to Mr. Donald Trump. Read the shooting death of rancher Lavoy Finicum. Dear Mr. Trump, uh, via Trump campaign headquarters, New York, New York. Today, the Malheur... County District Attorney Dan North in Oregon said the fatal shooting of rancher Mr. Lavoie Finicum, one of the protesters who took over a federal wildlife refuge in Oregon in January, was justified and necessary. The liberal media portray Mr. Finicum as armed, but the U.S. Constitution permits him to be armed, so the liberal media bias trying to make this man out as dangerous is ridiculous. Les Zate, a reporter for the Oregonian Oregon Live, writes, 
An FBI agent is suspected of lying about firing twice at Robert Lavoie Finicum and may have gotten help from four other FBI agents in covering up afterward, authorities revealed Tuesday. The bullets didn't hit Finicum and didn't contribute to his death, but now all five unnamed agents, part of an elite national unit, are under criminal investigation by the U.S. Justice Department. Inspector General Michael Horowitz is leading the independent inquiry. The remarkable disclosure came as a team of local investigators released findings that two state troopers shot Finnecombe three times in the back during the chaotic scene at a police roadblock January 26. One bullet pierced his heart, an autopsy showed. And then it says, read more. Mr. Trump, I am sure you've already reviewed the below video of this event and can see Mr. Finnecombe with his hands in the air surrendering to law enforcement as he was brutally shot and killed while standing surrounded by the FBI and the Oregon State Police. And it has the video, the one that many of us have seen, of the original stop and then as they go up the road and there's a barricaded road where they've roadblocked and where he was shot. It's that video. <clears throat> Mr. Finnecombe was shot and killed January 26th by Oregon State Police after he tried to drive around a traffic stop. He took the first shot round to the back, which forced the first shot, meaning round, that's why they put it in parentheses, to the back, which forced him to grab his side, and the second shot round, second round, to the front, putting him down. District Attorney Norris said 10 shots were fired at Mr. Finnecombe during the confrontation eight of them by Oregon State Police officers and two by FBI agents. He said three of the bullets fired by Oregon State Police officers led to his death. The six shots fired by the Oregon State Police were justified and in fact necessary, Norris said. Mr. Trump, the question is why were 10 shots fired at a man standing in the snow with his hands in the air? If he had a weapon, it was holstered and covered. Why did law enforcement not check on the condition of Mr. Finnecombe as he lay on the snow bleeding out? Mr. Trump, I am a personal friend of Governor Rick Scott and an assigned bodyguard to Governor Sarah Palin as needed by her, and I am also a weapons expert, U.S. Navy retired. This video clearly shows a man with his hands in the air surrendering to law enforcement. This looks more like an execution of Mr. Finnecombe, just my opinion. In this situation, I would not have pulled my weapon nor fired a shot. Upon your successful bid for the presidency and if and when you are sworn in as the 45th President of the United States, I respectfully request the DA of Malheur County, the Oregon State Police, and the Oregon FBI be fully investigated in regards to the death of this kind, God-fearing family man, a stand-up American indeed. I will call Governor Scott this weekend and let him know about my request and what I am seeking from you when, you, when and if you are elected president. I believe a full congressional investigation into this matter is warranted. The Hammonds, the Bundys, and all ranchers should be released from prison. They are, in my humble opinion, political prisoners of the Obama administration. These are God-fearing folks fighting for their constitutional land rights. Mr. Trump, you're going to find that this matter is not so much about grazing cattle, but it is about a giant land grab by the co communist forces in the White House using the Bureau of Land Management as the enforcement arm of the Obama regime. They're operating through the governor's office in Oregon via the Justice Department to remove the last remaining holds, holdouts of private landowners in this neck of the woods so the federal communist forces in the White House can get the uranium in this rich mineral-filled land. The BLM are waiting in the wings as they are the first in line to snap up this land by court order when they, the Hammonds, and the rest are forced out. It becomes 
relatively apparent what is really going on in Harney County. We must stop this from happening. Uranium deposits are considered locatable minerals under the General Mining Law of 1872 as amended. That law opened the public lands of the United States to mineral acquisition by the location and maintenance of mining claims. The exploration and mining of these types of mineral deposits are administered under the General Mining Law regulations at 43 CFR 3800. I look forward to the investigation moving forward. The federal government have no constitutional authority to manage state land, and the BLM has no constitutional authority to be funded. I will send this column to my friends in the Congress, including Congressman Ryan Zink, Zink or Zinke, SEAL Team 6 retired, Republican of Montana. I will request that he also review the video of Mr. Finnegan being shot while his hands are in the air, surrendering, surrendering to the Obama federal forces, and move forward from there. Copy to Donald Trump, campaign policy advisor. Copy to Governor Scott. Copy to Governor Palin. Copy to DA Mallier, Mallier County. Copy to Mallier County attorneys and sheriffs. Copy to FBI Washington, D.C. Copy to Congressman Zinke, or Zink, Republican of Missouri, SEAL Team 6 retired. Related video, this is actual real-time video filmed from inside the Lavoie Finicum vehicle at the time of the shooting in Oregon. And this is the one that was released um, yesterday or the day before, I believe, which shows um, the two videos um, juxtaposed on each other so that you can see the timing and what was going on in the car. Um, at the end, when they come to the roadblock, as soon as Lavoie opened the car door or truck door, they were fired upon. He, I thought that he wasn't a fired upon until he was actually out of the car. That was not the case. When, his, when the door opened, he was fired upon. They just happened to have missed. So um, if you're interested in this story, that is a video that people should watch because the reason that they left the first location was because they felt that they couldn't call for help because it was out of cell range. And they really believed they were going to be killed there ambushed, killed, instead of going up the road and having them try again. Because I understand now why Victoria Sharp said the things she said right afterwards. She said, are you kidding me? Three shots? Are you kidding me? Have you even seen the truck? And um, I think if you watch it and you hear the shots that are fired and the windows and everything breaking, they were scared to death to even get out of that vehicle. So if they were under fire, it was not three shots. So there was a big lie there. And it's no big surprise, really. I mean, really, it's no big surprise. Getting to the point where we can't trust people. We can't trust what they say or promises that are made, and that's too bad. Anyway, here is the link to that article that I just read. I do not know who the person is that um, did that website, so now you can look into who he is. I don't know. Um, and uh, you know the land issues. As far as the land issues going out there, obviously the people didn't own all of the um, property personally, but they owned the grazing rights on a lot of this property. And what's happening is that they're being forced off the land because um, there are international interests coming into our country and taking various um, pieces to do what they want with it. 
we have a globalist problem. I mean, there's stuff going on in Maine again regarding um, national monuments and that stuff. This this is like, you know, ongoing. This isn't something that just happened now. It's been going for a while. And I believe it's because they do want to do away with, with private property. They want everything to be public property, and so they're just going to keep encroaching on the private property until eventually there won't be any. Um, and that is on the UN papers that we've read before, their goals for the UN. They want to be able to control everything. And I'm talking about everything. I mean everything. Sunlight, air, water, minerals, your life, all of it. They want control of everything. Um, let's see. So that's out there. And the video that I was going to give you a link to is on that article or that open letter, so I don't need to give you that. It's at the bottom of it. Um, I'm not opening up the Daily Mail of UK because I'm not sure if that's going to load up my browser again. But the journalism professor, which I didn't realize she was a journalism professor, but the woman that was yelling at the uh, independent media um, I don't think he was a student there, but I'm not sure now. The person that was filming at a Black Lives Matter protest, and the professor came out and said, get him out of here. Let's get some muscle over here to stop this guy. She was a journalism professor, and she was saying that he should be stopped. And she got fired, and I think she's appealing it. But look that up. That just came up again. This woman, um, it blows my mind that her her field of study and her professorship is in journalism, and this is how she was behaving. But I'm sure you've seen her picture. She she had a very nasty face, and she was like screaming at him to stop filming. So that's a good one to keep in mind, um, having to do with First Amendment rights, and that you can film what you can see in public. We need to keep that. It keeps people honest. Um, you know, let the chips fall where they may. You have something going on, it's in public, and it's on film. So, you know, live it up, people. <clears throat> something funny that happened in Maine this week, we had uh, <laughs> we have uh, some drug dealing issues going on in Maine, and I've talked about them before. There's been heroin coming into our state, also into New Hampshire fairly heavily, too. Um, this is not how it's been in New England, but now it is. And a little little bit of uh, humor, in a way, it's not funny for them, but it's funny for those of us who are from northern Maine and understand what happened. Uh, two men wound up in jail on heroin charges on Sunday after making a wrong turn and winding up at the U.S.-Canadian border crossing at the northern terminus of Interstate 95, according to the state police. Um, they missed the Route 1 exit off of I-95 and wound up at the border. If you take out a map, this has happened to people I know, but not drug dealers. There are people that were going to a conference in Arusta County and missed that last exit. When you go up I-95 in Maine, the, the interstate, I-95, that runs all the way down the coast, the east coast, it takes a turn just north of Holton and goes into Canada. 
So if you don't get off that last exit in Holton, you find yourself at the Canadian border. And what happened was they ended up at the Canadian border, and apparently dogs um, alerted on their um, drugs that they had with them and two bags of heroin. And so they're probably not very happy men now, one from Mansfield, Connecticut, and the other one from the Bronx, New York. So Francisco Vasquez of Mansfield, Connecticut, and Sammy Rodriguez of the Bronx, New York. And uh, they said they were heading up to Caribou from Connecticut for a birthday party, but they missed the turnoff. And uh, these young men are in their early 30s, and probably their life has taken a wrong turn as well. So someone um, that I know said they should just set up, you know, take down the signs and catch a lot of them this way because it, it's an odd place. I mean, you have to really you have to pay attention when you get up there. It's very easy to miss it. You get used to driving on an interstate and you just see the next exit, the next exit, the next exit. But that's the end. So and just keep going. Yeah, oops is right, Valium. Pretty funny. So um, I will have to look at um, some of the videos and links that people have put in here. Pretty cool. Thank you very much for putting your links in. I do go back occasionally and look them up and see what's going on. If I have time, the weeks are whizzing by so fast that I'm like, I can't believe it's Thursday again. I say that every week, but it's the truth. It seems like we were just here. And so, um, you know, trying to keep going. Um, I had one called Ted Cruz is Not an American. Um, I'll probably just give you the link to that. There's people trying to say he's an American. He's not an American. Um, you know, they can say whatever they want. If he wins the uh, nomination, I'm sad about it because he's not an American. We don't need another non-American president. And... You know, he could have lived here most of his life, and it still he has loyalties elsewhere, loyalties elsewhere because of his family. You know, I just, I have, like, creepy feelings when I see him anyway, so there's something not right. In my, in my mind, there's something not right there. I wouldn't vote for him anyway. I don't vote for people that feel creepy to me, and he feels creepy to me, so... I do think that people make up their own mind, though. So if you like him, that's fine. But he's not a natural-born American, I should say. He's probably an American now because he's, you know, lived his life here, and he's probably naturalized. I don't even know that. I know that I saw the paper where he renounced his Canadian citizenship. So whether or not he ever was naturalized, I don't know. But you have to be natural-born, not naturalized which means both of your parents have to be Americans. You can't just have one be an American. So, sorry. Arnold Schwarzenegger couldn't be president either, and they really wanted him, remember? So. Okay. Somebody has said something funny about librarians this week, um, sent around some cute little meme on Facebook, and it reminded me of the Michael Moore quote, so I kept it so I could tell you it. 
Librarians are subversive. You think they're just sitting there at the desk, all quiet and everything. They're like plotting the revolution, man. I wouldn't mess with them. Just so you know, librarians are tough because they know things. And if they don't know things, you know, immediately or personally, they can find out. So it's almost like having that uh, parent with the eyes in the back of the head. Um, I was looking at the website that Desert Peak gave us that showed the carbon monoxide levels over California a couple weeks ago. I've been looking at that off and on, and those uh, levels have been elevated here and there, odd places. Um, the last ones I saw were near New York City. So, you know, it's an interesting site to keep track of if you, if you like that kind of thing. Um, and I was looking at some of my local earthquake sites in Maine, too, because um, I thought I felt some last weekend, and I went looking. And we've had some activity around Maine, but nothing big. I mean, we're talking like two, you know, two point something. Um, right now, the map is showing um, uh, around Cape Cod area and down through towards New York, but the strongest levels look like they're around the Cape Cod area. And I'll give you a link to that. You can look at that. Just check it out once in a while. Remember, you can click on Earth, and you can adjust it to um, look at other, other aspects or other maps on the same site. But right now, that's where it appears to be, mostly around Cape Cod. So if these are indicators, there's still a little bit in California, but not as dark as over in Cape Cod, and also along the uh, Great Lakes in the Pennsylvania and um, like Ohio, near the Great Lakes, there's some orangey color there too. So that's for CO, carbon monoxide. So I guess if we're feeling sleepy, maybe it's that. I don't know how high the level is or if it's down near the ground. But there's things going on. <clears throat> Maybe that's why we're getting sprayed in the air. Who knows? We had a heavy chemtrail, yes, chemtrail spray yesterday, aerosoling going on here. I took some pictures that were nasty. I mean, the sky just looked nasty after they got done with it. Yeah, that's right, Valian. Always going after the librarians. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. People still need librarians. Even if they can do their own research, they don't always know how to do their own research. All right, um, let's see. Recent earthquakes in Maine. I went looking for a website to see if we had just had one because I thought I could feel it. It's hard to tell when you're um, in Maine because we have um, a lot of shifting going on because of our freezing and thawing in the ground. So our you know, like my, I told you my um, computer and my table are where there's a converted porch. So it's just on posts or blocks. So it moves a lot with the ground where the house wouldn't because it's in a, on a foundation. Um, and so it says two days ago we had a 1.6 magnitude in Fort Kent and four days ago we had a uh, 1.6 magnitude in Greenville. So we are having some earthquake activity, but it's fairly mild here. And um, this website shows where the locations are and how deep the, the um, 
earthquakes were. Kind of kind of interesting to have it more local. And I know Desert Peak said, gee, I didn't know you had like a volcano up there. I believe we have, I think Mount Katahdin's probably a dormant volcano because it's kind of by itself. I mean, it was pushed up by something. Um, so Mount Katahdin is our highest mountain in Maine, and it's the one everyone takes pictures of. It's very pretty. So we got that one. And I had, like, the um, seismograph, too, which are kind of interesting. This page is really interesting to me because you can adjust it to what you want to look at. So it's a great resource for looking at our stuff up here. And you probably have things near you that are similar. This one has the seismograph. Um, and at the bottom of that page, it's the New England Seismic Network. At the bottom, you can choose which station you want, meaning what location. And what I picked was ORNO, O-R-N-O, which is for ORNO. They just shortened it. And have it look there and see what Orono looks like, because that's the nearest to me. And it shows, you know, just usual minor shaking. But you can look around, and you can see, like, um trying to think what was the other one that was close by. Oh, Peaks Kenny, Maine. P-K-M-E. That's up about an hour's drive northwest, I believe, of here. And a lot of times their stuff is very volatile. I don't know why. It's near Sebec Lake. People used to see, like, UFO activity up around there, and they wondered if there were things going in and out of the lake, you know, that kind of legendary stuff. So kind of fun. My computer settled right down, so I don't know why, but I'm not going to question it. Bluffdale went to bother someone else for a while. <coughs> All right, so I think that's it. You can look around in there. There's some other stuff on that site. It's aki.bc.edu. And I don't know what BC is. It might be Boston College, but I'm not sure what BC is. <coughs> um, they had a Can-Am contest up in northern Maine, which is sled dogs. Uh, the uh, similar to like the Iditarod, only not as demanding. Um, Marusa County does this in the wintertime. They had enough snow at the last minute to be able to do it. And uh, so I had, you know, saved some really nice photography that people did of those dogs. And, oh, my gosh, they're so beautiful. Um, and I just saved an article out of the Bangor Daily News just to be able to remember to tell you about it. Um, Can-Am mushers concerned about dogs, not gender or age of competitors, because there's some people apparently... Um, in their 70s doing this, and right down to young, you know, younger people. Um, apparently it's been going on for a long time because it says since 1994, the Can-Am's second year, so they must have started in 93, I would say, women have taken part in the races with some becoming familiar faces. And uh, I wish I'd been up there because I would have gone to this, definitely. Um and hopefully things will work out, and I'll end up up there, and I will be there, and I'll be able to go to these things and have company, have a, a guest room so people can come up and also go to it 
and have a good time because it's time we have good times. So here is that about the Can-Am races. Since it's, you know, regular, people will know about it. They'll be able to come. So um, what else? Uh, pledge allegiance to the international flag. This was something that someone brought to my attention probably on um, Facebook because that's where I see a lot of my stuff lately. It comes in on my feeds and then I just save it. Um, a school that had a contest where the kids made a, an international flag and uh, then they were raffling it off or having a drawing or something. They used it as a fundraiser. But it's like the um, indoctrination where you start putting the mind, you put people's minds in a certain way that they should think. And uh, the international flag was made up of the flags of other countries. And it's just a twisting of you know, what most parents would want their kids to be having in school is not, you know, not have indoctrination to that degree. Um, I'm jumping around now because I'm at the bottom of my page. Bottom of my page is stuff. Um, the 10th Amendment Center blog. Something happened in West Virginia. It was important. I believe it was uh, watershed type stuff where things really change after these watershed occurrences. Charleston, West Virginia, March 10, 2016. That's today. A West Virginia bill that would take a small but important first step in setting the foundation to reject federal uh, some federal EPA rules and regulations in practice passed unanimously out of the state house today, and we'll soon head to the governor's desk. Um, the, the West Virginia legislature passes a bill setting foundation to reject EPA clean power plan, and it says uh, that somewhere in here it said what the vote was, it was unanimous. I see it right now where it says it was unanimous, but it was. I may have seen that on another place. Oh, passed the House today by 100 to 0, cleared the Senate 34 to 0. So the Senate, it says March 1st, and then passed the House, unless this is backwards as far as the timing goes, and they're just telling us. I don't know. I guess it doesn't matter. I would say that the um, governor needs to sign that because it's uh, unanimous in the in the West Virginia legislature. So there's people in various states doing what they need to do to reject the Fed authority over them. So I consider these positive signs. And this one here that I should keep. Uh, let's see, three seven March seventh food sovereignty thing. This is in Maine. Relates to the food sovereignty issues that people keep talking about. Maine towns declare food sovereignty, claim home rule, trump state and federal regulations. Um, Julia Bailey wrote it. March 7th, first posted, last modified yesterday. 
Fort Kent, Maine. As far as Sedgwick resident and locally sourced food advocate Deborah Evans is concerned, everyone should have the right to choose their own food, whether it's from the farmer down the road or from the local supermarket. And it goes from there. Sedgwick is actually down on the coast. I don't know why it was written with Fort Kent as its byline, because Fort Kent's way up north of Caribou even. It's way up at the top of Maine on the St. John River. Um, so it's talking about the different locally produced foods. And I'll give you that. And then another one that I feel is watershed type thing, as far as Maine goes anyway, and possibly will spill over to other places is uh, now they apparently are going to make um, a run at the Amish, which is really ticking me off, because the Amish don't participate in anything that you know should bring anything upon their head. I mean, really, they, they take care of themselves. They're independent people. Regulatory hurdles could cause Amish charcuterie maker to close. I don't know what a charcuterie is. That's a new word to me. But it looks to me like it's to make um, um, you know, natural foods, you know, the old-fashioned ways. Um, Unity, Maine. Matthew Sekich, an Amish maker of dried meat, smoked cheeses, and other delicacies at his small old-fashioned store, charcuterie, so it's the name of it, I guess, said this week that high food safety, regulatory hurdles, and heavy paperwork requirements are causing him to contemplate shutting down the popular business. We're thinking about closing because it's just too much, he said Monday afternoon. We want to stay open, but we're so overwhelmed at the vast amount of paperwork. It's so immense, I can't keep up with it. Seekich, a former big city sous chef at the renowned Charlie Trotter's restaurant in Chicago, said that he's well-versed in food safety and good industry practices. However, he feels that the highly detailed and specific standards delineated in the 158-page long Maine Food Code are so strict they put an unfair burden on small businesses such as his and might be better or only suited to large corporate producers. I don't have time to be checking the temperature every two hours and logging it, he said. It makes me very tired. It's too much. The last thing I'm ever going to do is serve somebody something I wouldn't stand beside. The last thing I'd do is jeopardize anybody in any shape or form. But Maine State food safety inspectors have cast a dubious eye on some of his choices, such as his decision to keep the meats at the required 41-degree Fahrenheit temperature in a custom-built ice house next to the shop instead of with the help of refrigeration technology. However, so far, state officials say they're trying to work with SEC Seekich or Seckich, not take action against him, and it goes on. Um, the thing is that we've seen this over and over again where small businesses are taken out because someone comes in and they make the regulations so severe that only the big boys can succeed, and everything doesn't need to be quantified to that effect. Um, I think these two things kind of go together, the food sovereignty, which is that you decide what you're going to buy and eat. You can buy bad food at a grocery store. I bought some last week. I don't think it was the store's fault, but the date hadn't run out yet, and the meat was bad. When I opened it, I smelled that it was bad, and I didn't eat it. People have to be responsible for themselves because things happen with food that's perishable. Um, you know, as I said uh, my late husband worked in catering for an airline 
company, airline catering company that uh, put food on planes and stuff, and you know, people have heard things about airline food for years, but those were under federal guidelines because they were at an international airport, um, and they were extremely picky about every little tiny detail. But things can still fall through the cracks. People can still look the other way because they know the personalities and they know what they can get away with, and that's just how it is in this type of business. Um, so the the buyer has to be aware. They have to be concerned with their own health and look at what they're buying. You can't go by what it says on the computer, what's stamped on it, what it shows on the gauge. I'm sorry. It's, you need to use your own head. If it looks gross, don't eat it. If it looks fine, you can eat it. And what my late husband said to me one time when I said, well, I'm concerned sometimes, he says if it was really, really bad for you, you couldn't get it past your nose. So take a good sniff of it unless there's something wrong with your nose. Take a sniff of it. If it smells bad or doesn't smell like what it should smell like, it's probably no good for you to eat or give to your kid. <clears throat> so there's that. Um, I think I'm getting down near the bottom now, so um, there were some various things on the sidelines that I don't think were all that important, so I'm going to skip over those. Uh, Neil Keenan had a new one. It was the uh, person coming back again that had called himself the Asian insider, coming back again to say basically that it was a test um, to see how Neil would react to frustration or having somebody try to come in and help or whatever it was. So it was just like a, um, you know, re-verification of goals, I would say. I don't even know what how to explain that. But there was a new Neil Keenan, so here's his website. So you can go look straight at the top. And... Weather manipulation. I'll know about this, but let me just remind myself what this is about. If it's something different, oh, this was the one that I saw that was showing um, a right angle front off of uh, the west coast of the United States and the west coast of Canada, and how they were using weather manipulation to create the drought in Southern California. And this was um, like the last week of February, so it wasn't that long ago. Um, so you can show it to your friends when they tell you that you you know you're making things up and that you don't know what you're talking about. You can show them this and ask them exactly how they explain um, a right angle front. Um, that is not a natural occurrence. There's no way that's a natural occurrence. Um, and they were showing how they were keeping this the um, lows off of the coast, and so they just circulate around in the ocean and don't bring the rain regularly across like they normally would. So when you hear about those droughts out in California, take a good long look at that and uh, see what you think about it. Okay, let's see. I think I'm almost done this. So I don't know. Are you calling in tonight, Desert Pete, since you didn't get a chance to give us any updates last week? If you are, I'll come look in a minute, see if you're on the phone. 
looking down through my links one last time to make sure that I got everything in that I thought was important. Uh, sometimes I don't get to everything. Oh, oh, this one's funny. I'll just put this one in last. Um, this was in the paper, and it was I thought it was Maine at first. I found out later it wasn't Maine, but this was just showing a little state of how our nation is right now and, and the condition of our families. Um, this was put on March 4th, and it was Lubbock, Texas, where this happened. Peter Hawley wrote it. I need a beer. Abandoned toddler tells police before mother is arrested. When police in Lubbock, Texas were called to investigate a report of a three-year-old girl wandering alone in an apartment complex, they weren't sure what they might find. The girl was extremely dirty, according to police, with red bumps from bed bug bites covering her skin. A neighbor who sometimes babysits the girl told Fox affiliate KJTV that the filth was the result of the girl playing outside. If officers had any doubts that the child needed help, those were erased a short time later when the girl repeatedly told them, I'm hungry, and dropped a shocking one-liner, I need a beer, she told officers, according to a police report cited by KJTV. So that is the, and it goes on. I didn't want to read you the whole thing tonight. So, pretty bad when you got three-year-olds asking for a beer, I would say. And Desert Peeps on the line, so I'm going to go there and see what's up out on the West Coast. We're unmuted. Hi, Desert Peeps. Uh, good evening. Apologies oh, to everybody for, for missing last week. I, uh, well, well we were kind of wondering what happened to you, but I'm glad that you're fine. Well, as as I said in the chat, my head was in the clouds last week from some business that kind of, well, I won't say sucker punch, but just kind of knocked me senseless. So. Uh, oh no. Um. Uh, yeah, I probably should elaborate on that first, and then I got some other serious things to go into. But uh, if somebody, if anybody remembers some comments I made way back, oh goodness, April or May last year, I knew of a. Um, an attorney was working a situation over in a foreign country trying to chase what was a trust fund of some leftover uh, oil company money that wow. was pretty pretty good size. And the new managers of the trust uh, had uh, intentions of reinvesting it into, uh, into clean energy stuff, which, as I've said many times, that's what my forte is. Uh, so I had great hopes on his work, and then, lo and behold, that attorney got killed in a car accident. Uh, and yeah, that was the same day that Jeff Rents got run off the road. So uh, I remember that, now that you say that. Yeah, so a lot of weird things happened that day. Well, it's almost a year later now, and someone has come in and trying to clean up the mess, and I must say it was really a mess, because it was... It was not a first world country, and the accident happened. I still don't know the exact location, but as near mm -hmm. as I've been able to piece things together, uh, nobody rushed anybody to the hospital, and looters just swarmed in like a pack of coyotes and stole the attorney's briefcase, probably his wallet right off his body, and his laptop. Nice. And so all the crucial information he was carrying with him was just simply stolen by who knows who kind of a thug. Or somebody who wanted that stuff. Or that too. 
So uh, for somebody to come in and try to clean up a mess, they, they really just didn't even have anything to start with. So um, on it goes. But the news I got last week did sound very good uh, and optimistic, and that's what kind of surprised me so much that I forgot what day it was. <laughs> Well, so, uh, if optimistic, that's a good thing. Yeah, so nothing solid to report. Every time I hear good news, it always turns into more delays and more delays anyway, so uh, I can't get anybody's hopes up other than I, I got what appeared like a shred of really good news last week, and we'll we'll see what develops here over the next weeks and months. Cool. That sounds um, good to me. Yeah. Oh, boy, going down my list here. Um yeah, I put the link up of uh, Newt Gingrich saying that uh, Donald Trump is not in the right secret society or not in any secret society, and that because he hasn't uh, hasn't done the initiation, he hasn't given the right handshake, that uh, he has no chance of election. And that was right out of Newt Gingrich's mouth. Um, once again, I'll draw people's memory back to some comments I've made on prior shows. Um, Oh, shucks, way back in 2012, uh, I made a valiant effort to take my company up to Silicon Valley and try to do a presentation to a convention of of uh, new clean energy ideas uh, that was attended heavily by venture capitalists. And up there, I met uh, I met an, an Apple zillionaire, and I was able to schedule a lunch with this person Oh, a month or two later, and at that lunch, some disgusting things came out in the conversation, and I saw that he wasn't really that interested in alternative energy other than, well, if he could make another fast buck at it, oh yeah, I'd pour some money into it. But he spent most of his time at the lunch boasting about how many politicians he owned. Ah, I remember you saying about them buying politicians. Yeah. Uh, one of them was Newt Gingrich. So, for what it's worth, uh, Silicon Valley money owns Newt Gingrich. Now, Silicon Valley, that's another bizarre group of people. But uh, that's what I learned from a private conversation. And and somebody who was not drunk at the time, he was just kind of boasting about his, uh, his wealth. And... Uh, his wealth was pretty obvious with the car he drove up in and, and where I learned that he lived and, and whatnot, that he was legitimate. He was nobody just pulling my leg on things. Uh, shucks, you couldn't even rent one of those cars in Beverly Hills if you wanted to. So um, uh, on it goes, but that's uh, that's what's going on in politics and, and my two cents worth on, on Newt Gingrich. Uh, the guy is owned, and uh, he'll say whatever they tell him to. So even whether that comment is true, take it for what it's worth. Well, I mean, we know this anyway. We know it from the observation. Yeah. That there's people that have bought people. They they will not say anything against certain people no matter what. I mean, even when it's obvious. That whole thing with Hillary is like, you just look at these people and you're like, you're still talking about her like she's viable. How can yeah. you not notice what's going on? And I think they do notice. It's just that they're being paid probably to 
well, not ever mention it or to minimize it. So it sounds like it's just normal. She's just running for president. <laughs> Nothing big. Yeah. People are picking on her because she's a candidate. No, not exactly. <laughs> well, that that's what we've been saying all along. The media is just... <sighs> It's just a, a a live version of entertainment. Uh, well, remember back uh, several years ago when people were just saying, you know, they're oblivious, they're oblivious. No, they're not. They're not oblivious. They're complicit. Big difference. <laughs> well, they're focused on their own agenda, and they're reading scripts. Yeah, they don't go get stories like we thought. They don't do that. Yeah. And... Uh, <clears throat> Oh, I. My first indication that something like this was going on was uh, growing up uh, back there in Illinois. There was a uh, uh, a fantastic voice news announcer by the name of uh, Floyd Calber on uh, NBC. Hmm. Man, that guy was as articulate as as you can imagine, and. He always came off with absolute authority on everything that uh, that he presented on the news, and you thought, boy, this guy really knows the news about Chicago. Um, at one point in time, I don't know what the situation was, but some camera caught him out of the studio and just asked him a simple question. The guy stumbled around like he was illiterate. <laughs> so he, he was a good reader. He didn't have a script in front of him. Yep. And I couldn't believe this is the the number one top rated news announcer in Chicago that that the whole city highly respected. And off camera, he was as as illiterate as George Bush. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Uh, it, was, it was almost like it was a, a voiceover lip sync on the evening news. <laughs> but uh, no, that's that was the situation. And that that's pretty much the case with all of them. They're, uh, they're paid to uh, to do the performance, and they perform quite well. And they're paid quite well for their performance, but uh, anyway, that was uh, that was just an eye opener in my my younger days here in the Midwest. Um, yeah, but see, those are the things that the younger people don't have. They they just don't have it. We're getting to the point now where we've got like people who are active out there politically who don't remember September 11th, 2001 because they either were little kids or not born yet. You know, it was 16 years ago, right? 15 years ago. So a 20-year-old would have been five, and they wouldn't really know. They're the, actually that that uh, decade of, of people are the ones that I have the most hope for right now, because they seem to be more interested in what's going on than the older the older ones that are the younger generation. The ones in their 20s have actually said things to us that have given us hope. We um, ran into somebody at one of the places that we buy from here in town, somebody we see all the time, and he is a person who films police. 
she's had some run-ins. So, you know, and they're younger people. And what he said to us was very, very encouraging because what he said to us, without knowing a thing that I do or anything, just that we were interested in, you know, what he's up to and just generalities. And he says, yeah, he says, if we don't keep these rights, we're going to lose them. I was like, yes, I love this guy. You know, I think of them as kids, but obviously they're not kids anymore. They're adults. But for for someone in their 20s to say, if we don't use our rights, we're going to lose them, was like music to my ears. I was so happy to hear that. Yeah. They don't like it, but I keep filming them. I jump right out and I walk right up to them and film them. That's what kind of caught me off guard going back to the last show that I was on when that, uh, or well, I guess it was a week even before that, but the, the night yeah. that that young fella called in and just wanted to drag the conversation way off base. Yeah, uh, I think that at first it wasn't obvious, but then it got more obvious. Yeah, well, he was using terms that, again, maybe he practiced it, but they were terms that that occasionally get my attention and and respect, but then he starts twisting it into ugly things of claiming that one particular handicap doesn't even have a soul. I realize, oh, this guy's Oh, nuts. Down syndrome. Those people aren't even worth being alive. Like, that, what? Yeah, that, that's what he was claiming. And I realized, no, I'm talking to a nutcase here. Um, but, uh, well... A nutcase or someone who's been uh, indoctrinated to believe that everything is quantified and if the person isn't contributing then they're not worthy of being alive. I actually, you know, that reminded me, I had a conversation just today with somebody who is pregnant for the second time, and it's somebody that I don't know real well, but she's younger, and, you know, she's in that stage of life where you have babies and everything, and she was almost like expressing, I don't really, I don't even know how to say it. It wasn't that she wanted to get rid of it or, thinking that she should have or anything. But it was more like, yeah, we're past the point where we know that the baby will likely go to full term and everything. I'm thinking, who ever thought of that? When we were younger and we had our babies, we didn't think of that stuff. We didn't think of waiting until we thought that it was likely the baby was going to full term because you would just assume you were going to go to full term and have the baby. Now it's like they're thinking, I think they all do it, too, because I've I've heard of many people that wait until they're a certain stage of pregnancy before they tell anyone that they're pregnant. And you think, why wouldn't you tell them as soon as you knew? It's exciting. It's joyous, right? But they wait. And, and it's like, well, what does that mean? You're going to decide whether you're going to have it or not? You know, I didn't ask her any questions, but it was just an odd thing to say. I know. And, and uh. she said something like, I'm not sure we can love our second baby as much as we love our, our daughter. And I said, of course you'll love your child. They're all different. It's not like you you slice up a pie and, you you know, you have only so many pieces to go around. The, the common sense... The weird res- attitude. Yeah, the common sense respect for human life has been argued out of society. Well, it's been argued out of society by insane maniacs who have a crappy religion that teaches that demonic stuff. I didn't dare ask her what she meant by that. I didn't dare ask her. Well, it's, yeah, it was pretty obvious uh, if she's wording things like that. 
Well, I don't know if she uh, meant like she would have thought about getting rid of it or whatever, you know, like she was having this quandary. We just never, that stuff didn't cross our mind. It's like, of course you're going to love your baby. Of course you're going to have your baby. Unless something happened as a, you know, a tragic illness or some kind of thing happened to you during the pre- pregnancy, of course you're going to have your baby. It's, it wasn't like, let's just wait and see. It's uh, weird. It's almost like they accept the fact that these kids aren't all born normal anymore. This is, well, this is leading up to the other thing on my list here tonight. Okay. It, it, it all ties in together. Yeah. Uh, the stress level, I don't know if if we've got solar flares. I don't know what's going on, but worldwide, just the stress level is getting to obscene proportions. Uh yeah. I've been unfriended on Facebook more times in this last year than ever. Yeah. And all I'm doing is posting up some blatant truth or news. Yeah. Uh, well, same thing. I sure won't quote crappy news, but I'll, I'll quote a, a, a genuine news article. And, man, arguments develop. Man, I I ended up in a... An unsolicited argument with an an associate, I'll just call him, I met through through third-generation business contacts, whatever, an argument erupted with an associate of mine down in Bolivia, and I had always treated him diplomatically and, and admitted to him, sir, I've never been to Bolivia, I don't know that much about your culture. <laughs> and uh, I saw one particular news article about Bolivia that, pretty much praised the country, and I sent him a copy of the link and said, congratulations, your country's doing some things right and some things that my country's not. I didn't realize it, but he detested the politician that was mentioned in that story. And he went ballistic on me as if I was praising that asinine politician, and I know nothing, I didn't even know the guy's name. (laughs) And suddenly I get this multi-email argument coming back from him with, oh, just outrageous claims. And I'm thinking, excuse me, sir, I was trying to be diplomatic to you. Uh, I'm an idiot. I know nothing about your country. I thought this was good news, and I realize now I'm getting spit in the face for it. I really don't appreciate being treated like that, but then again, that's a hot-tempered South American for you. Uh, well, if I, if I the dare, thing is, we're trying to blend cultures that don't blend. We have different ways of dealing with things. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, well, I guess he's still a friend on, on Facebook, but I know two other people unfriended me this week, and uh, I'm just thinking, why? I, I said something favorable about Donald Trump, and they immediately brand me as being a racist, I know. That's what they're doing on the other side. And I try to draw in the fact that, uh, oh, that was the other thing I had had this this argument with this Bolivian, was uh, uh, he made this totally inaccurate remark of, David Duke is the head of the KKK. How can Trump ever admit that he doesn't know who he is? I'm thinking, David Duke is not the head of KKK. Who told you that? That is total crap out of off of CNN. CNN loves to lie about David Duke. David Duke, in his younger, more exuberant days, 
was a member of KKK. He has since disavowed himself from that organization. The only thing he preaches now that some people don't like is that white people deserve as many rights as any other race. And to some people, like this Bolivian, that was offensive. White people don't deserve any rights. Oh, come on. Well, the thing is, you could think of it another way, too, is that there's language barriers. The words mean different things. Yeah. Um, like you were saying when Cash says, you know, he's the Messiah and stuff, he may just mean I'm the messenger, I'm the one telling you about this. Right. Um, it's hard to say, but there are things in Hispanic culture that are extremely offensive to men because they feel that their, you know, their manhood has been challenged or whatever. There's just no. things that are different in different cultures and, and, they could take something you think or say to them, I mean, say to them about something you think about and and believe that you are telling them something else. And um, yeah. I, don't, I don't know how you fix this stuff. Email and texting and those things with no tone of voice, they're hard even when you are speaking the same language. And exactly. you come from the same culture. I can't even imagine what it's like trying to deal with it otherwise. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but uh, just the the stress level is so high that here I am trying to put a few truthful comments up on Facebook. I'm getting unfriended, and my my yeah. contact list is getting shorter and shorter. And I'm wondering, is there anybody out there? <laughs> Do I have any friends left in the world? At least not on Facebook. I don't have many left. But uh, but that's Facebook, and it is what it is. Uh, it's it's primarily just a picture of, of funny cat and dog pictures, and that's about the only thing you dare post on that on that site uh, without getting attacked. Um, I've had some people mad at me too, so I get it. I know what you mean, but I'm still going to say it because the media is not doing their job. So we have to be the media. We have to tell people things. Yeah. We have exactly. to throw the wrench into their little machine that's going along along and thinking everything's fine because it's all on the same side. Yeah. I don't know who I'm voting for. I may not vote for anyone. I didn't last time. The reason I didn't is because I didn't like any of the candidates, so I didn't bother. I was like, I'm not going in there and validate this system that is full of corruption. Um. You know, I you know people think that I would vote for Trump because I post a lot of stuff about Trump. The reason I'm doing that is because the media is giving a different impression of what you see if you look at the actual interviews or you were watching the whole two-hour rally or whatever. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm trying not to come off as a a Trump supporter, and I certainly don't want to come off as a an avid fan of David Dukes. The only reason I posted some objectionable comments was when I saw blatant lies about them. Yeah, I don't like it when they do it about anyone. I find it really unfair. Exactly. I would say it honestly. If I knew they were saying things that weren't true about Hillary Clinton, I would say the same thing. I would say that's not what happened. You're wording my my, yeah. You're you're wording my uh, my opinion exactly as I would. probably because we've been on a talk show too long together. Yeah, probably. We're agreeing on too many things. Uh, but the uh, if if I saw a blatant lie about Obama relative to his childhood, well, we already know the guy came from a broken home. 
And anything he did as a 10-year-old, he's not responsible for. He had idiot parents. He he had a crazy mother and and a uh and a, a communist socialist father who even hid his name from the uh, from the birth certificate. So uh Obama has I would not blame him for anything he did as age 10 or something like that. Uh Hillary well, we already know she was married to a, a runaround husband, so I can't blame her for Bill's problems. And so I would actually defend Hillary as to Bill's activities, and I would defend Obama as to anything he did at the, at the very young age. But let's get up to his adult years. Uh, from his college age on, Obama did some pretty hideous stuff. And he became a Chicago gangster and ended up in the White House because of some of his, his gangster contacts in Chicago. So let's call him on that. Uh, and Hillary, uh, once she got to adult age, what, her first job at the first law firm, uh, she gets fired from for uh, for blatant lying uh, yeah. and other unethical activities, is what her employer said. So yeah, let's start criticizing her from her adult age on. Uh, she she acts like she has no idea she's ever done anything wrong in her life. Yeah. Oh no! I mean, th- that thing that I heard on the radio today was incredible. With the, um, you know, confrontation about Benghazi, and she's just like, you know, she blows it off like it's no big deal. Nothing's a big deal to her. I don't know if she's on heavy duty uh, mind control drugs or what it is, or she's just crazy. But she doesn't act like a normal person who's under stress. That's for sure. You know, most of the time people at least look nervous. She doesn't even look nervous. Yeah. <laughs> she's convinced that she's fine, I guess. Uh, my my eyes know. just focused on the chat. Guest 11 said David Duke has been out of it for 40 years, out of KKK. I don't think David Duke is 40 years old, is he? I don't even know. Uh, I don't follow any of that. I, I think he technically completely disavowed himself from KKK four years ago. But uh, uh, I don't support everything he says, but whites do have rights, and Duke has brought out some actual quotes from from Jewish rabbis saying some very hideous stuff, and he's quoting the Jews. He's not inventing problems against the Jews, so anybody who calls him anti-Semitic... No, he's just revealing some truth. Nobody's been paying attention to what the Jews are actually preaching in their synagogues. So uh, that that's all I'll say with him. And I don't want to get off on a, on a David Duke tangent because this this guy in Bolivia was was suddenly painting me as an avid David Duke fan. And I, oh, come on, grow up. Um, but uh, no, my history on Facebook. I've only had to unfriend one person, and. I don't dare imply here who this party was, other than it was a woman who had. Uh, yeah, boy. Yeah, I'm I'm going silent and hesitating here. Some of her stuff really did deal with national security, national security not in the false sense, but as in stuff that even Desert Pete respects. So I really don't want to have my name associated with her, and that's one of the reasons I had to had to unfriend her. Yeah. Um, 
but the the last straw is it I, I respect everybody's opinion and I'll let them mouth off all they want and I'll stay silent but when uh the when planned parenthood was caught turning around and selling body parts she went on a tangent supporting the government has to support planned parenthood and I'm thinking you blatant idiot what good is planned parenthood to society it does nothing it is part of eugenics they're predominantly in ethnic neighborhoods so they kill more blacks than any it's a bigoted organization and you want federal tax money to go there and when I after posting that remark she came back with saying oh you're so well prudish I forget the word she used but she said don't don't you realize that uh, that married couples uh, use Planned Parenthood for uh, uh, for as the name implies uh, planning their families and I'm thinking you dumb piece of <laughs> expletive deleted were you really raised that naive lady that well see that's why the names always are the opposite of what's actually happening uh <laughs> here we go with with the with the Jewish run sex crazed society of oh we've got to have uh sex education in schools to teach kids the basics of life and I'm thinking you dumb idiot you dumb pedophiles that's what parents are supposed to do and when it comes to planning your family in the churches I went to that was what your final marriage counseling was in uh for for young couples planning for marriage is the the final details were taught in that and I can tell everybody all they need to know in about 30 seconds about that good grief don't you know from medical studies and nope Apparently, people don't know us why we now need a government-funded bureaucracy just to reteach what I'm about to say here in the next 30 seconds. A woman can only get pregnant four days a month. Keep your pants on those four days, and she'll never get pregnant. End of story. See, I said that in 30 seconds, and that's all any married couple needs to know. (laughs) Uh, wow! Yeah, um, I suppose that's true. Well, the, there are the, variations, however, that other things can happen. But the thing is, I just believe that they're putting out a false image of who they are, and yeah. it's been around a long time. But this whole thing with the selling of baby parts and everything, and and saying no, no, we're you know people are just exaggerating that, and it. You notice it sort of died down. Like, well, they do a lot of good things. Well, you know what? Selling baby parts is not a good thing. And most of the public would not be supportive of that. It's that they told them it's not really true. But it is true. It is what they're doing. There's no other reason to have them get further along in the pregnancy before they take the baby unless they're doing something with that baby. Why Why wouldn't you end it immediately if you're going to be aborting it? You wouldn't wait and let it develop further and then abort it. Yeah. It's, it's 
sick. People that, that don't think it's anyone else's business don't even like that idea because this child at that point is viable outside its mother. That's not the same thing. So, you know, I just posted something in the chat, by the way, that I just saw on the um, headline news stuff. A baby found hidden in a bag on board of an Air France plane. What have we heard on Able Danger about how they child traffic? They take young children in these carry-on bags or whatever. Yeah. Uh, well, this goes back to something I'm a little miffed about on on Able Danger. I just can't get a word in edgewise on that chat board. It, just it, as well because he laid out that guy the other day about something that he just casually said. Was that George H.'s comment where he yeah. used where he used the word uh, credibility? Yeah, he said yeah. he wanted to know where the evidence was that something that a crime had occurred rather than just somebody wasn't happy about something. Yeah, Field almost threw a well, not almost. He threw a hissy fit after that comment, and I'm thinking, well, Field, you misunderstood the context of his of his point. And the person said, "I'm sorry, I won't ask a question again." That's not what you want. Yeah. I don't think. I don't know who George H. is. Uh, probably uh, doesn't matter. But uh, but all he was asking for was um, the background for the statement. so that, And that well, is something that goes to credibility. That is what people look for is that, you know, if you're going to say somebody is doing something, exactly. show that they are. And I, I almost made I a comment bad, myself. I felt I didn't say anything because I figured it would make it worse. But yeah, like, I I didn't want to start an argument that. there on on their chat board, but no, uh, because people don't read them. You don't have time to read every line. Yeah, you might see some little comment and assume it meant what you last said. I don't even do it in here too much because I might think it's the last thing I said because I haven't been watching every line and yeah. take it in a whole other direction than what the person meant. People correct me here because they don't get mad at me. They just say that isn't what I meant. Okay, now I get it. Or I might even read it a week or two later and I go, oh, that's what they meant. So no one should assume that just because I can't do everything at once that I don't eventually get it because I do read things again and I pay attention to it and I do value people's opinions on what they think is going on. So yeah. I just, that kind of thing just makes my, my back go right up because I'm like, okay, now what? Because I want people to get along and share information and I don't want people saying they don't dare speak because someone's going to land on them. Yeah, well, I, this is why I feel humble enough to the almost point of paranoia of not wanting to comment on something I don't quite understand from David's long dissertations because I can't listen to all hour and a half of every show. I can't it's, again, it's right in the middle of my business day and if I can tune in for 10 or 15 minutes, that's great. But uh, it is, <laughs> I just can't do it. And thus, when I do tune in, like now, David's ongoing, what, the last three or four shows I've tuned in, he's tying Sliney, is it, or Sliney or something, to uh, to, to Trump. And I'm I thinking... I have not been able to figure out what the background of that is. I've heard the words, but they, I can't get it either. I well, haven't me, heard it yet. Yeah, well, me either. And I'm thinking, these are pretty serious charges here. Uh, 
And all that I'm hearing are just broad brush accusations. Oh, Trump dealt with casinos. Well, excuse me, Desert Pete worked with a stock brokerage firm in the early 90s that sold stock for the MGM Grand Hotel. That was started by uh, Kirk Kerkorian. Kirk Kerkorian pretty much kept his nose clean in Las Vegas. Never really heard of any mobster activity in Vegas. But if you met some of Kirk Kerkorian's business associates over in California, that was kind of a different story. Some of them were pretty shady. Uh... Not to the point of any murders, but as to getting politicians to approve something that probably shouldn't have been approved. Uh, yeah, that could be laid on on the feet of uh, of Kerkorian. Uh, but let's look at Vegas as a whole. As I mentioned a couple of shows ago, Vegas is becoming a convention town more than a place to go get drunk and get laid. So there's billions of dollars flowing through Las Vegas for conventions. Uh, and that's just general business worldwide. And there's lots of family-level entertainment in, in in Vegas, too. Uh, the Casino uh, Hotel Circus Circus is pretty much entirely family-based. They have their own little amusement park indoors. Uh so, who has but, the amusement park indoors? Uh, Circus Circus. Okay, I never uh, heard of it before, so I figured I'd. Yeah, that that's one of the more that's one of the older hotels in in Vegas, but uh, they uh, they aim uh, for a family theme, and there again, oh, like the the Excalibur big uh, castle shaped uh, hotel. And then right next to that is the Luxor, the uh, the Egyptian pyramid. Uh, that that's entertaining for kids. Uh, being in a castle environment or uh, uh, or or in a in a big pyramid, whatnot. So uh, Vegas has has spent literally billions of dollars to appeal to a a more normal family and not just. Uh, throwing your money away and, like I say, get drunk, get laid. It's, it's, it's not all that kind of an appeal anymore. I'll be the first to admit Las Vegas sure has its seedy sections, but so does every city in this country, whether it's Chicago or Los Angeles or any of them. You've got some really seedy areas and some pretty nasty stuff goes on there. Uh, but it's not just Vegas, and Vegas is... is it's it's focusing toward toward conventions. That's what's supporting the town now. Yeah, that a lot of cities try to get the conventions at their city. Yeah. Now uh, business on top of just for wherever the event is held, it gets people into the city. Yeah, but uh, admitting the uh, the underbelly of of Vegas, you've got uh, Adelson there, and comments I've seen on Adelson is that. Uh, uh, after he finished laundering all his money around the world, then he built the Venetian to cater to to conventions. But that apparently he's more of an international gangster than a than a, than a Vegas gangster. 
uh, and that that's just a passing comment. Can I verify anything? Absolutely not. But that that's just the general attitude in in Las Vegas. And I think I mentioned I've I've learned how to pick up the uh, the street opinions in Las Vegas very safely without <laughs> without getting mugged. I simply go to Craigslist, any city you want. Just go to Craigslist and then click on the rant and rave section. Yeah, I've heard about it and I still haven't gone there. You told uh, us about that. Too. Warn you, it is not censored. You're going to find yeah. some pretty gross photographs shoved in there. Not for the faint of heart. Yeah, but it's go in it's, there with your hip waders on and. That that's it, but it and uh, it's it's all the opinions off the back streets of that city, and somebody who's computer literate enough to know how to log on to <laughs> to the internet and get on Craigslist. That's the only uh, only restriction, but just anything imaginable is there. And a lot of it is really hideously vulgar, so don't have any kids in the room. But uh, then again, some of the funny gla- graphics I've gotten applause from when I put them up on April Danger came from finding, <laughs> from just combing through there. Uh, oh, that one of, of Putin claiming that uh, oh Hillary's uh, hard drive was was a gold mine, and uh, <laughs> uh, and Biden's password is password. <laughs> yeah. So, anyhow, yeah, there's so much uh, stuff. There's so much stuff that's not even true that's circulating. But that's what they do. It's totally fair to use the same thing back at them. You know, it doesn't do any good to be restrained. This is what Donald Trump was saying on his interview. He says people say that you know I'm not acting correctly or whatever. He says, what are you supposed to do? Stand there and let them do it when they're attacking you. You don't just stand there and let them do it. And that's what's wrong with a lot of things. People don't stand up for themselves when the time is is happening. They wait, and then it's too late because that's ingrained in your mind. Well, it must be true because he never said anything, you know? You have to defend yourself when somebody attacks like that. And I say give it right back. Give it back the same way. That's not how you would normally act, no. But being a statesman while other people are, you know, basically doing gutter trash, that's what our society has come to. We can't even argue in a civil way anymore because nobody will talk about it. Yeah, well, not to belabor it, I'm glad to hear that you're just as confused as I am as to why uh, David is attacking Trump. And I really the, don't know. The only reason I have to raise an issue is it's generally only the bad guys that are out there attacking Trump. Well, I wanted to see the affidavit because I think Trump's name is in it. I think that they, I'm not sure, but on that Richie Allen show when Field was talking about it, he said people could send an email and he would send them a copy of that affidavit. And I haven't seen it yet and I asked him for it, but he hasn't given it to me. Hmm. But there were, I think, three individuals that were named on it. And um, I think it was, I don't know if it related to leaning people that made money off of September 11th or what it was, I want to read it and see what it says so I have facts and not just my own imagination. <laughs> I don't know what it's about. Yeah, that's Maybe he another... talked about it yesterday. I didn't I didn't get on there yesterday, so I don't know if he talked about it. He that's another did. unsubstantiated Internet rumor. Uh, and I'll, I'll have to name one name here for who's spreading it around but really never justified, never 
substantiates it is uh, uh, Bill Deagle is claiming that the big area complex, that ARIA is the name of the, the casino complex, uh, built in Las Vegas uh, right after uh, 2001, was built with enormous insurance money settlements from 9-11. So he's claiming that 9-11 generated money that built the last big thing to be built in Vegas. And I'm thinking, well, that's that's a vicious thing to claim. Where's your substantiation of that? And he never elaborates. So that's just a rumor that he heard from somebody. And whoever that somebody is, he's never identified, nor has he identified how they came up with that conclusion. The only reason I would be concerned about that is the area complex was the last big thing that Kerkorian built before he died. Kerkorian really got up, he was in his mid-90s, I think, when uh, when he passed away just this last year. Uh, and as I say, he pretty much kept his nose clean around Las Vegas, so I sort of respected the guy for for the big accomplishments he did get get done. Uh, and I've tried to pay attention to uh, to make sure that somebody that I kind of had to work with when I was with that other brokerage firm, or work around, I never worked with him directly, but uh, I've always kind of paid attention knowing how much dirt there is in Vegas as to whether he was ever involved in any, and I never really could pin him on, on any real crimes. Uh, he seemed to be evasive enough to uh, uh, to at least make sure that his name was never involved in anything. But now Deagle's coming up with, uh, oh, the area complex was built with uh, uh, with insurance winnings or something from from 9/11, and that's that's a pretty vicious attack there. And I'd sure like to see some sta- some substantiation. And Deagle has never done that yet. He just keeps popping that out on on occasional comments and and never comes back to it. So on it goes. Um, let me go down my list here. I don't want to ramble all night. Um, okay, Bell Am is saying Able Danger site has an explanation of why they're mad at Trump. Trump set up air shuttle service for Hillary from Canada to New York, which Hillary used to shuttle criminals around. So I wonder if that was like the the. Um, what do you call it? That J pass when he talks about the uh, con air. I wonder if that's what it was. The thing is, he's been kind of he's been kind of ruthless describing Trump has been ruthless describing Hillary. Like he's definitely going to go after her because someone said, "Well, I don't even know where I heard this. It might have been the Hannity interview." What are you going to do if the Department of Justice doesn't do anything, even if the FBI recommends? that she be indicted, and things get dropped. He said, when I'm in office, um, yeah, because they said, will you do anything? He said, we'd have to. I mean, how do you not do something about it? So if he's really her friend and in cahoots with her in the background, why would he be sounding so sincere about that? And it doesn't look like an act to me. It really doesn't. It looks like he means it. So right, do, you, do you think they may have been in some kind of cooperation and have ended it? 
Let's put a magnifying glass on this. I have no idea what it is. I'm still waiting to find out what exactly it is. But, Let's let's combine what able danger agents are, are present here tonight. Oh, okay. So Trump sets up a public airline, and Hillary Clinton happens to be a client. Were those private charters, oh, or was she simply buying a ticket on on a regularly scheduled flight? Yeah, like if if it was like here's your here's your uh, service where you fly people around and this person's paying a contract for you to do their work. Yeah, I'll I'll bring like up here. Like a charter flight, in other words. Yeah, I'll, I'll bring it up here because I tried to get a comment in, and once again, field completely misunderstood it and never came back to my clarification. Uh, David made a comment of Trump's shuttles getting laundered through. U.S. Air, and then getting uh, droned to fly into the towers. Stop, David. You're dead wrong on a couple of things there. Are you saying U.S. Air droned the planes? I'm not clear on your, your context there. And secondly, all of Trump's shuttle planes were Model 727. That is a three-engine aircraft. They're very easy to identify if you just look at them. They have a third yep. engine hanging on the tail. Yeah, that's right. There were no 727s flown into any buildings that day. Now, I worded my comment wrong on, uh, or improperly, I'll put it that way, on naval danger. I said there were no 727s involved in 9-11. And then field launched back on me, oh, so-and-so flew out of the country on a 727. And I'm thinking, that's an irrelevant answer, field. I don't care who flew out of the country on a different plane that was never photographed. What I'm saying is all the planes that were photographed that day flying into buildings were two-engine aircraft. There was not a, a three-engine plane showing up anywhere. So why is David saying that, oh, those Trump shuttles were droned to fly into the buildings? That's total BS, David. Get your details correct here. I'll have to listen to it again because I don't even know if I heard any of that. Uh, Something I did hear, though, what was the thing I just heard that was so weird? It was like, um, it was related to, oh, when Trump is asked about September 11th, 2001, because we have to say that now since we had other things since then. Um, <clears throat> I call that the real September 11th. But yeah. anyway, um, he appears to be um, supporting the official story. And so you would think that somebody who operates in the high echelons of business and finance and all that stuff would know that the official story was bogus because if average people off the street know that, then why wouldn't he? He would have been amongst the people that would know about the planning part of it. So that, to me, is a suspicious thing. I'm like, why would he be holding up that official story? And some people think that the reason he's doing it is because that will get him further before he is actually in office, like he's going to be in office to correct some of this stuff and that he knows it already is not saying it because he actually comes right out and says some of it 
and then maybe has one little twist. But it's like he knows that these airliners crashed into the building. And I'm sure he knows that there's something wrong with those stories. Because he, I mean, he's an insider in some of the cities, like New York City. He's an insider with the big people there. Yeah. So the the likelihood that he never stumbled across any aspect of that story that raised a question with him is just, you know, I think that's a slim chance that that ever happened, that he could have missed something that doesn't add up. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, something else. I okay. I'm going to put up a link to my my usual energy news site here. So, Valium wants you to several stop yelling have, at her. Pardon? Valium says to stop yelling at her. I'm sorry, Valium. My apologies. Oh. There's your website. There's Desert Pete's website. I'm uh, Val. I got I got to spend a few seconds on this. I am a professional sound man. As a professional sound man, we had a thing called a limiter wired into our equipment so that when the person talking got emotional or when he got tired and started talking very quiet, this limiter, or the fancy word is complimiter, compressor and limiter, or automatic gain control would kick in and would bring the volume up on his quiet moments and it would make sure that the loud moments got compressed and that you didn't go blasting people across the room. Uh, unfortunately, these these free talk shows don't have such equipment on there. And and I got to pay closer attention to how I'm holding my uh, my microphone. So again, I apologize, but I'm just used more used to working with professional equipment than uh, than, than these cheap computer shows. But what can I say? We're we're not a big budget show. Oh, um, I noticed that. Uh, <laughs> comment I put in enable danger that I thought Field would would elaborate on, and he hasn't said anything. Is a pedophile has been arrested by FBI and is singing like a canary as to who his contacts were. On his computer were 20,000 names. Uh-huh. Now, that could have just been a lot of innocent people because I'm going as I'm about to elaborate on Desert Pete's personal email is on that computer. Oh, interesting. Let me tell you how it happened. Um but what I was asking Field about is the most interesting person's email who showed up and thus revealed a lot of personal correspondence with was Justice Scalia. Yeah. We I now know Justice Scalia. Scalia. Yeah, Justice Scalia was a pedophile. Now, uh, on my news articles in the political column, I think you might have to scroll down a few days, but uh, I have the talk show on rents the night that uh, Gordon Duff revealed it and told the story I'm I'm relaying here of just who this person was. Since that person was extremely involved in clean energy research, I had met him first on the Internet, dialogued with him for several years, and actually met him in person once when uh, the purpose of that meeting was many energy 
uh, enthusiasts from all around the country convened on one inventor up near San Francisco that claimed to have something revolutionary. So, goodness, about a dozen to maybe 20 of us. And these were very respected people in clean energy. And sorry to say, one of the people who actually showed up at that meeting was Dr. Stephen Greer, you know, the, the Disclosure Project guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's where I got to meet him face-to-face once, and I really don't ever want to have to do any more business with him again, but that's another story. Uh, the the point is, uh, a lot of important people came to that meeting. So did this person who Gordon Duff identified as Sterling Allen. Uh, after the presentation, Sterling asked me for a ride back to his hotel, and I gave him a ride in my car. And he had a nifty little gadget plugged into his laptop, that, and this was back in 2011, that he could uh, get a GPS signal on his laptop. And I'm, reali- I'm realizing now that's the laptop the FBI has confiscated. How interesting. So old Desert Pete here has seen some criminal evidence in a major federal investigation. Uh, little did any of us know... Maybe they'll be emailing you and asking you what you know about this. Little did any of us know, and I should say that there were some other big names there, even besides Stephen Greer, and I don't want to drag anybody else in, into this dirty issue. Uh, all of us knew Sterling, and we only knew about his clean energy activities. He ran a, a very big website of his own, and I, a website I should mention was very well researched on a lot of things, and even his enemies that I've chatted with have admitted that well, Sterling ran the biggest database on the internet for those topics. So he was a re- very intelligent person in, in some aspects, and none of us had a clue what was going on in his personal life until. About a year ago, he starts looking for somebody to suddenly take power of attorney of his personal life. Well, who goes looking for that, especially on the Internet? And then we find out his wife divorces him. And then we find out he gets kicked out of his membership in the Mormon church. Well, I have my own opinions on the Mormon church, but we'll leave those for another night. Uh, So suddenly it was pretty obvious some things were falling apart in his personal life, but nobody really knew what. Until he posts this rambling confession admitting to a crime, but the way he worded it, he wasn't really specific as to what the crime was. Well, whatever it was, it was re- reason for his wife to kick him out of the house and divorce him rather abruptly. Yep. Uh, so anyway, now we know, and now we got to jump to another topic I bring up, uh, Mehran Kesh. Mehran Kesh has been working in Europe, various countries in Europe, started in Iran, uh then got his uh, his degree in nuclear physics from some university up in, in London and then worked in the London uh, 
uh, nuclear power industry for a while, and or uh, British uh, military, uh, and then got disgusted with the military aspects and resigned from that and kind of went independent. Uh, and the best story on, on Cash's life was written by, by Gordon Duff, and that's one of my news stories there. I think it's the uh, I think it's the top story in the far left column at the moment. Uh, the column I think my headline starts out with uh, tempers fly and short sighted judgments are made, uh, but then it goes into the, the very good review of uh, Miran Kesh's background, and it is very well written. Uh, so again, I can't I can't endorse everything Gordon Duff has ever written. Shucks, he admits half the stuff on his website is a lie. But in this case, where he's mentioning names and calling specific instances, you can't put that in print. People will sue your pants off if you, if you go lying about them like that. So uh, so that article of Gordon Duff's I have to pretty much endorse. Um, but Mehran Kesh, after he lands in Belgium, is suddenly confronted with one pedophile after another trying to destroy his business. And Kesh screams to high heaven, where are these pedophiles coming from? And why are they so determined to destroy his business? And then he discovers about Sterling Allen, and he complained to Gordon Duff, and I think I've mentioned before, Gordon Duff is a defense contractor, and he deals with high security situations for other defense companies. So he's got his fingers on a lot of international dirt, shall we say. Uh, so Cash hires Gordon Duff as his security expert, and Cash mentioned his confrontation with Sterling Allen, and Duff did some investigation and let the FBI know you need to look into this guy, and the FBI did, and decided it was time to arrest him. And they did, just a few weeks ago now. And from his computer, who did they discover his pedophile conversations with? Justice Scalia. Directly. And then Scalia shows up dead, and it was after Scalia died. There was some little um, tabloid-type thing that I saw today that said a 13-year-old is the one that killed him. I don't know if that was just like out in left field, like somebody made it up or not, but it was something I just saw today was that that's what happened to him is that he was killed by a kid. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, well, we don't Scalia, really know what happened down there, do we? Scalia yeah, was really. up, uh, was up in years. One of the considered allegations out there is that while he was molesting a kid, he has a heart attack. Uh, who knows? There's no, uh, nobody's talking. And any type of speculation is just up for grabs. Your speculation is no better than mine, or no worse. Uh, but it it is obvious that something fishy went on down there with uh, with no, no traveling security detail that was pretty much mandatory for all Supreme Court justices, except this time they didn't travel with him. And that is so weird. 
And after he dies, no autopsy. Immediate cremation. Oh, boy. Yeah, and not but, only that, but his son doesn't come. Like, yeah. Nobody comes. Like, it's like, why don't they, why aren't they there? Yeah. Uh, so, getting back to Abel Danger, I'm raising the question, what has Abel Danger been telling us about Christine Marcy? She's running a, a worldwide child trafficking organization. So I'm raising the rhetorical question, was she working with Scalia? I don't know, but then they find that baby in a bag on Air France. That was pretty weird. What if that exposes something? There was a baby in a carry-on luggage or something. And I put it in the chat just a little bit ago because I saw it on the the, um, trending news or whatever. Somebody had a baby inside of a bag, and someone noticed the bag was moving, and it was a child in there. That's how they supposedly transport their kids is in these bags. They sedate them and and stick them in these bags, these big carry-all bags. So... Well, are they sent to the baggage check-in, or are they carried on? I think on? this was in the cabin with them. I think it was like a carry-on bag. Okay, because uh, down in the uh, baggage area, I don't think that area is pressurized on most planes. No. no, I don't think it was there. I'm not sure because I didn't read it. I just saw it, and I went, oh, my God, that's how they transport kids. Is it yeah. her kid? Because I don't know if anybody said if it was her kid or not. They would assume it was her kid. See what I mean? And, uh, uh, oh, uh, there's another guy uh, I linked to on my on my site. Well, my site's got a lot of things, and you have to really hunt around to find some of the links I talk about. But one is over to a, a reporter named Daniel Hopsicker. Hopsinger? I forgot the last half of his word. But he writes a, <clears throat> excuse me, a website titled uh, madcowprod.com, and he reports primarily on, on airline issues. Just a second, i got to cough. Uh, one of the recent stories that he uh, reported on was a uh, a stowaway on a cargo plane didn't survive, and the cargo plane had some reason that they needed to set down at an airport. They had to make an unscheduled landing at some Caribbean airport, and once they pulled up for for just fuel, uh, they noticed blood was dripping out of the cargo door. And the uh, local authorities insisted that the pilot open the door, and this body fell out. Well, uh, apparently it was a stowaway who thought that the cargo area was pressurized. Well, it wasn't, and he died on the on the trip. So, uh, anyway, mysterious stuff happens, and that's that's why if you want to fly on an airplane, you better buy a ticket and sit up with the passengers. <laughs> Yeah, really. Don't don't even think of the cargo area. Um, so what am I getting at? I I want to know what the link is between Christine Marcy's criminal activity and Justice Scalia. I don't know, but I mean, it, if it's like their little uh, oath-taking ceremony stuff, maybe they're all connected that way. Yeah. Because Scalia was friends with the Bushes, and that's one of the reasons why George W. got into office, was because Scalia was on the bench. And who were the other ones? Um, Sandra Day O'Connor and 
who was the third one? Was it Clarence Thomas? There were three of them on that Supreme Court at the time that were friends of the Bushes, and they were on that court yeah. that decided that George W. Bush would be the president. And I was incensed that, like I said, that was um, a time period that I spent a lot of time researching because well, I was so incensed about that election. But this is really a, a bigger link of more importance than anything Trump may have done. And that's why I'm surprised I can't get any attention out of out of Field or, or David. Because Sometimes it's just that they already know that part and they don't think it's all that relevant for whatever reason. We well, here's it's why relevant it's relevant. Because it's new to us. Here's why it's relevant is because of the Sterling Allen connection. And now Sterling Allen, this now brings in those of us who are interested in alternative energy. And suddenly this is a sideline field that's certainly not guilty of anything, but we're now seeing pedophiles have have infiltrated our innocent little group over here. And the Sterling Allen emails are revealing that Scalia was protecting Sterling Allen from his crimes. Wait a minute. You've now got the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court protecting a pedophile individual. What does that tell you? Field has been writing letters to the FBI since day one, informing them of all of Christine Marcy's activity, but what activity has, but what response has FBI done? Zilch. Could that be because Scalia was protecting Christine Marcy? I don't know. That's the link that I'm seeing here. Except for that it doesn't go to the Supreme Court first. It goes to the Department of Justice first. Oh, but, you know. Okay, here's another thing involved with with FBI. Uh, And boy, I ran into this a lot with with the research I've done on on all the alternative alternative energy uh, inventors that have been killed over the years. Is uh, there is a rubber stamp somewhere at some level of FBI that simply says, do not investigate. And this pertains to politics, this pertains to IRS, this pertains to alternative energy men in black attacks, this apparently also pertains to pedophiles. You can tell by the reaction that there are people who are not touchable, untouchable. You can tell by the reaction to things that happen. They're not concerned. You know. Hillary's not concerned. She thinks she's fine. There's a reason for that. I think it's because they already they know they're in this club, whatever it is, and that somebody is going to make sure that nothing happens to them, and they can do whatever they want. So and however that's... they have it structured, I don't know, but it's obvious to me that there are people that have no concern at all about going to prison. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and as I see it, it's because somebody at some level of the Justice Department has this crazy rubber stamp and I have no idea what type font it's in or what color ink they use, but it says do not investigate and all FBI investigations do not proceed one step further after that stamp. The whole case dies cold 
and if any other agent pokes his nose one step further, that agent dies mysteriously. They took uh, over the enemies. This is why Hillary thinks she's untouchable. This is why Scalia thought he was untouchable until he drops dead of whatever cause. Um, and this is why Scalia's affiliates, pedophilic affiliates, felt that they were untouchable. And my gracious, in the Sterling Allen case, his public genre was professional. I certainly disagreed with him on a professional basis with a lot of stuff. But as far as uh, he, he's, I can't think of a, a situation where he dragged the conversation off course. I mean, he never acted like that caller we had a couple of weeks ago that just yanked the conversation off into way left field. No, Sterling stayed on topic, and uh, by and large, a lot of his, his reports were rather professionally written. Now, other people who agree with me was that Sterling was grossly insufficient on his uh, documentation of measurements, and quite often when he would make a claim of this thing can put out so many watts, well, it was pretty apparent that whoever was doing the measurement didn't know how to measure it. Uh, and so some of those claims were, were bo just bordered on, on being absolutely ludicrous in that such and such a device could not perform as, as well as Sterling is reporting it. But that that's professional disagreements there. That, that's just something to be handled by engineers and technicians. It should never it should never slide into a political argument. Uh, and so Sterling was sort of fairly decent on that. Up until, like I say, about a year ago, he gave a bizarre lecture at one of the international energy meetings. And the the 60-minute message he gave was so disjointed and rambling and illogical that, as, as I joked to another associate, I said, that speech offended both Bible thumpers like me and hardline atheists. I mean, we both, we both walked away from that, that presentation offended. What was wrong with that guy's head? His presentation made no sense at all. So it was about a year ago that something in Sterling's head just snapped. Uh, well, I think that's when it was all coming to his head. That's probably when his wife discovered what was going on. And his life began falling apart from that point on. Uh, but but just now jumping back to the, the crimes that we know Christine Marcy was involved in, and nobody knew Scalia was involved until now the Sterling Allen episode hits the public news, and primarily through uh, Veterans Today, Gordon Duff. And Gordon Duff has, has raised an eyebrow wondering why no other alternative media sites are picking his story up. And here's a prime example, WorldNet Daily. 
kind of a Zionist, uh, occasionally Christian website that at least it preaches good Christian morality. I'll hand that to WorldNet Daily. Uh, I don't go along with his po- politics. If he if he thinks George Bush was a good guy, he's obviously wrong on that one. But uh, but WorldNet Daily at least professes an element of morality that I go along with, and they won't pick the story up. Why? Because Scalia was supposedly a Catholic, and WorldNet Daily does not want to offend any Catholics in the world. Well, excuse me, we've, I'm a hardline evangelical myself, but my gracious, the head of the evangelical movement, president of some big evangelical organization, oh, three or four years ago, got exposed as being a pedophile. And I'm saying, great, get rid of the jerk. How in the world did he infiltrate our organization and climb to the top? So uh, if somebody gets exposed out of my, out of my group's name, as a criminal, I'm glad to get rid of them. So I think the Catholics should feel the same way if they find out that uh, Scalia was living a life that was grossly the opposite of, of any any good Catholic teaching. Uh, I'd be glad to get rid of the creep. But uh, WorldNet Daily doesn't want to say anything against Scalia. Uh, I think the last thing they commented was that, oh yeah, he was an avid pro-lifer. And whatnot, and uh, and the old one of uh, one of the few justices left that was adding a conservative perspective. Yeah, right. Well, that that's kind of an insult to conservatives. I don't even believe it when they do their eulogies for people's funerals because they're just they'll say anything to appease people and sound like they're the good guy right after they've just done something. The the thing with John Roberts, when they were talking about John Roberts um, being so cagey about the uh, swearing in and all that stuff and things to do with him being the chief justice, there were similar allegations about him that they had something on him, that they had videotaped him because they had, like, um, cameras in his apartment or whatever. I don't know. I think they have things hanging over everyone's head that you don't know, have any power whatsoever. Well, that, so that's the allegation. Keep, at any time. Yeah, those are the allegations we keep hearing. And going back to the uh, oh, the story that hit our alternative media. Oh, time flies five, six, maybe ten years ago of the uh, the Franklin cover up. Uh, that story always finished with, uh, and the. Uh, the guilty lead to some of the highest levels of government, and that's all the reporter would say. And he wouldn't name any names after that. And I'm thinking, why don't you? Why are you allowing those criminals to continue their activity? And we now learn, years later, one of those highest levels of government was Justice Scalia. Uh, Why didn't somebody tell us way back then? Uh, Why did we let this creep do what he did over the next, how long was he in office? 15 years or more? I think he was appointed uh, in Reagan administration. He's been around a while. I forget how many years they said, but it was a long period, I believe. Yeah. Well, he somehow or another climbed up to being the chief justice. So that takes seniority to get up to that position. Um, and good grief, just look what, 
what uh, what he's done to the country and and how many personal lives did he mess up? Uh, if you find a criminal, turn him in. That's what uh, incarceration is supposed to do: is to make a person realize what their wrongs were and and repent. But, uh, well, anyway, um, I don't want to spend much time on it because it was so cotton picking, nauseating to watch. But yeah, the the Lavoy video that you mentioned earlier of watching both the inside and the the over overhead drone or helicopter pictures uh synchronized uh once you heard the conversation was going on inside the car it was just nauseating i yeah i almost got violently ill after watching that yeah because at the point where they first um stopped um they weren't even sure what was going on they're like, why did they stop us? You know, like, yeah. we don't have to stop here. I'm calling somebody. I'm calling people to come, right? Because people still think they were just traveling or they were just headed to a prayer meeting. They were going to a meeting with the sheriff. They were headed there. Everybody knew that that's the road they were traveling to go there. And those people picked out that spot where there was uh, trees, you know, for cover. Right. And there was no cell phone coverage. Yeah, it was so, total total entrapment. Yeah, um, and and the fact that they got the video on the phone, <laughs> pretty cool because, um, you know, it's like they could have maybe got the phone away from them if they thought of it, but I guess well, they didn't think of it because there wouldn't have been any record. Their story would have stood. Well, thinking, going back to my comments to Vel a while ago, yeah, I've been a professional sound man in in Hollywood there on and off for a while. Yeah. And I know how difficult it is to get good sound of something, especially in a moving, dynamic situation. Uh, I was astounded at how good the audio was from that cell cam video, uh, cell phone video. Yeah. Uh, you heard every word that was being said in that car. Yeah. Whether it was Lavoy right. or the or the little kid on the floor, or whoever the other gentleman was. Uh. I, I heard every word clearly and distinctly. When that girl, Victoria Sharp, was um, interviewed like the next day or gave a statement to someone because she wanted to make sure that she got it out. I forget who she talked to, if it was Chris Ann Hall or who, but she talked to somebody, and I kept that link. I remember talking about it on here, but she said, we were shot at. We were shot at. We thought they were going to kill us. Yeah. So, um, and then she said when, when they said, uh, well, they said they fired three shots or they they shot Lavoy three times or something. She goes, three times? She goes, are you kidding me? That I mean, her reaction was so authentic that it you knew it was true. She said, did you even look at the truck? It's like they, it was probably more like a hundred. <laughs> and that that video that was released, I mean, when they got to the point where Lavoy got out of the truck, he was already shot at. He was shot at the minute he opened the door. There is no question at all that they were ambushed there. Well, exactly. And, uh, and there was no reason to stop them in the first place. But listening because to the... they knew where they were going, so that if they were going to arrest them, they could have done it there well, at the meeting. 
okay, two or three points I I, I got to draw from 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 watching that myself. The uh, again, my first impression from my sound background was the ability to hear every word everybody said. It was like everybody had their own individual mic, and it was a professional sound man mixing it. That was almost like Hollywood there. It, it was so unbelievably good. Uh, the uh, uh, the comment was made in there, how far is it to the sheriff? Oh, about 50 miles. Well, I, I kept hearing in from our alternative media, yeah, he was headed to meet the sheriff. Well, now I discover, oh, the sheriff was 50 miles away. Well, that was in the next county. Uh, but it was at a meeting. He was at a meeting. The people were expecting them to show up. And then yeah. when they heard that they weren't going to be coming because they'd been basically ambushed on the side of the road, yeah. um, they were all shocked. But uh, the the thing, the the oh the the Nazi opinion, the the pro government opinion would be that oh look what what Lavoie was saying. Uh, he was always screaming in anger. Well, yeah, he wanted to be heard. But look at that. He was inciting a riot. He was inciting getting shot. He kept saying, well, shoot me. Well, shoot me. So Lavoie was asking for trouble. And I'm yeah. thinking, did you pay attention to, to his words before he said that? Not only that, but we take, the, we take this incident from the point where somebody wants to direct our attention. The attention should be on the first stop. Why did they stop them? Yeah. In fact, they said, why are we being stopped? Right? Well, uh, they were going to shoot him there. I'm convinced they were going to shoot him there. And I'm convinced that they were all ready to do whatever they were going to do because how could they have gotten that roadblock set up so damn quick? Excuse my language. It was, because it uh, was a matter of a few minutes. It was most, defi- most definitely an ambush. Yeah. But it was, it was news to right me. They put him right into it. It was like a trap. It was news to me watching the video that to realize that the sheriff he was going to meet was not five miles down the road, he was fifty miles down the road. Yeah, because it was a it was a like a big meeting okay. that they were supposed to be discussing issues up there. Yeah. But before <laughs> the shooting began, Lavoy ran his window down, leaned out and shouted, I'm going to see the sheriff. You're welcome to come along and follow me and we'll discuss it there. That is specifically what Lavoie shouted at the people pointing guns at him. Right. In other words, I'm not wanting to deal with this here. He was explaining his situation, explaining that he had an urgent meeting with a sheriff. Was he meeting with another rancher to plot uh, further uh, pandemonium? No. He was going to meet a sheriff. And Some it was government a whole affi- group of people. There was like a community group there. It was so, like a, a it was like a town meeting type of thing that the sheriff was also going to be at. Every government agent there should have acknowledged, "Oh, he's going to meet another government official. We have just been invited there. Let's go along." Well, should have been the response. The only reason they knew to set up their little ambush was because they knew they were headed there. That's why the people were suspicious of the sheriff right off the bat. They're like, what did he do, send him up that road? But according to the people that were there, everyone was upset. 
So it wasn't like, you know, oh, well, it worked, you know. But it certainly looked suspicious because why would they have been on that road waiting for them? Well, Not Lavoie, like there's a whole lot of traffic on that road. Lavoie obviously shouted at the top of his lungs to make sure that they heard him wherever they were at. Yeah. The fact that he was headed to see the sheriff and they were welcome to come along. That's right. They had no reason to even stop him. And he followed it up with saying, we'll discuss this matter there, or words to that effect. Now, we go to the next part where Lavoie did get rather insightful. Now, let me analyze his words there. How many people have ever had to work around a drunk? Somebody who's drunk out of their skull and starts shouting absurdities. Uh, at age 65, yeah, I've had to been around a few. Younger people may, have not, may not have ever encountered that situation. But I have to tell you, when somebody goes out of their skull and starts shouting stupid stuff like, shoot me, how are you supposed to respond? Are you supposed to pull out a gun and kill him? No. You ignore the idiot and let him go get a nap and sleep it off. Now, Lavoie, after, after inviting them to come along, and they obviously were not listening, uh, and then he just decided to go on, on his own, and then, then they, they hit the, the snowbank, and now he's trapped. Yeah, that's when he really got emotional. And that's when when he snapped, and he was no longer stating calmly common sense. Now he was getting real emotional. Now let's flip to the side of and analyze this. How would any human being act in this situation? Uh, like I, I, the first example I just gave is a raging drunk. Okay, Lavoie was not necessarily intoxicated at that point, so I can't blame it on alcohol or anything else. And Good grief, they're conservative ranchers. They're, they're not even into marijuana. Uh, let me jump to a different personality I've encountered. And I'm sorry to say this would encounter, this would engulf a lot of ex-military people, which, of course, when I bring up this perspective, I, I just don't dare bring up this perspective around Field McConnell, or he'll completely misunderstand what I'm saying. But I'm sorry to say Desert Pete's been a pacifist all his life, I have never been in war because I voluntarily chose to keep myself out of that. I figured out very early in life the only way to survive a gunfight is not show up. So go ahead and call me a draft dodger, but I'm not going to put myself in a situation where somebody might want to fire at me with a gun. Now, let's look at the macho guys who love to enlist and go into battle like that. How would a Marine, let, let's pick the, the best of the best here. How would a Marine act if he was unarmed and people that hate him show up loaded to the gills with weapons pointed at the Marine? What kind of words would you hear come out of the words of a, of a military man if he is now surrounded by his enemies with guns pointed at him, 
and false accusations being made, but the Marine has no weapon whatsoever to shoot back. How, whether Marine or any military, how would that soldier mentality act? What words would come out of his mouth? You would hear, having seen situations similar to that, you would hear exactly what came out of the mouth of Lavoie that day. That is how an unarmed person would confront his enemies. Highly emotional, and when push comes to shove, the the claim is, uh, oh, we shot to defend ourselves, is what... That's the total demonic bullshit. It's BS, BS, because there was no way that those people were going to be able to just get out of there on their own. There was no need to shoot them like that. And he had his hands up. He had his hands up. The minute he got out of the truck, he had his hands up. And this this other claim that, that, oh, he had a gun hidden in his... uh, in his coat or something like that. And I'm thinking, no, back up the clock. The That's the Ray, Ray and Allen, Raylan Allen uh, phrase that she learned from her husband, Gunter, is uh, walk the cat backwards. Yeah. Uh, back up the tape. Who pointed a gun at who first? Yeah, right. Lavoie was never seen pointing a gun at anyone. No, he wasn't. The it was agents. Unjustified. It was an unjustified killing. It was a murder. Watch, it was an ambush murder. Watch that video closely. You will see red dots on everybody's face. They were talking about it. They were saying, get the lasers off. They were saying it. Look at the lasers on us. Those were assassins' rifles aimed at their faces. Yeah, that's right. Those were intended kill shots for everyone in that car. That well, is, it was obvious that once they had him down and they were still shooting at the car or truck or whatever it was. premeditated first-degree murder. There is no innocent defense when you're holding an assassin's rifle with a laser sight on it, but the guy that you're about to kill is not pointing anything at you other than screaming at the top of his lungs. And what are the words that he's screaming? I tell you. I am not military, but I've been around enough military guys to know those are the exact words that would come out of a military man's mouth. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how a military person talks. Uh, yeah, that that was first-degree murder. And, and everybody's moved on. It's like okay. they've gotten already. Now I have to jump, and I'm, I'm, now I'm sounding like Field, jumping from one topic to the next here. But this ties a different knot, uh, a different dot. I got to jump over to Able Danger. What is one of the basic premises that uh, that David Hawkins has set up since since square one, when he goes back to the pig farm and whatnot, is he says some events are so traumatic in a person's life that they will do whatever you force them to do. And some of us have raised an eyebrow and, and thought on that. No, some people really do have ethics, and they will not do what you force them to do. They will eventually squeal when they have the opportunity. Um, I forget what I'm getting at. Oh, yeah. 
so, so David keeps coming back to uh, getting somebody involved in a snuff film situation would embarrass them so bad that they will accept blackmail the rest of their lives. Uh, David, I'm sorry, I disagree with you now. Snuff films may be going back 50 years if somebody had an 8mm black and white or something. Yeah, there might have been perverts back then that would have paid money for it. But good grief, David, wake up. Look at YouTube. YouTube has more literal snuff films on it than you can count. And this last Lavoie video is one of them. Yeah. You literally watch... They were going to scare people so they would just shut up and stop doing anything. In That's the Lavoie... what it was for. Yeah. Why would you have the why would you have that the uh whoops um okay here we I just look at my clock. Yeah, we're at the 3 hour point. Uh sorry Ginger, I will uh try to fill in for a moment, but I'll I'll state my point. I may have to re restate it when you get back. Uh there are so many snuff films on YouTube and elsewhere around the internet, nobody in their right mind would pay to see one. So David Hawkins' accusation that oh, there's massive money uh, by the pub- the perverts will pay thousands of dollars to see a certain kind of a snuff film, and I'm thinking, what kind of a dumb shit are they to pay money for something they get free on inter- on on YouTube? Uh, hate having to phrase it like that, but let's face it, anybody who enjoys watching a pedophile, uh, either pedophile activities or, or snuff films is dement- demented and deranged. So uh, if someone is framed and dragged into one of these crazy uh, pre-productions, uh, and then the implication is made that uh, somebody is paying big money to uh, to see that. Uh, no, I, I don't think that's an element of uh, of blackmail. Uh, are you back yet, Ginger? Yeah, I'm back. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, I just tried to. Yeah, pull I out could there. hear you because my speakers came on when the line went there. Oh, okay. There, so. All right. Uh, but uh. uh well, I'd just like to know, was Scalia involved in uh, in Marcy's activities? And the, all of Scalia's activities, by the way, are seem to be tracing over to Belgium. And Belgium has another odd tie. Uh, one of the biggest, most well-known names in, in alternative energy was uh, an inventor by the name of uh, Stan Meyer, who back in uh, the 90s uh, made videos showing his converted Volkswagen running on water. Oh. He had a little Volkswagen dune buggy. I have to cough again, excuse me. <coughs> um, Stan Meyer was trying to raise capital, like all of us new inventors do, uh, once, especially once you get something working, then you got to go out and find really big capital, literally millions of dollars, to uh, start a factory and, and go into production of, of anything. Well, he had learned through mail or Internet or something, I think it was late 90s that it happened, 
that uh, there were supposedly two investors from Belgium interested in his technology, and they wanted to meet with him. So Stan and his brother Steve met these two mysterious investors from Belgium at a Cracker Barrel in uh, that small town in Ohio. I forgot the name of the town. Uh, in the middle of the meal, suddenly Stan start, starts coughing, stands up, and his last words were, I've been poisoned, and he collapsed. Or, I, I, no, he, excuse me. He rushed outside the restaurant, coughing and gagging, and he collapsed outside. That was it. Oh. His brother followed him. Uh, they managed to call 911, got an ambulance, and, and rushed Stan to the hospital where he was declared dead on arrival. Uh, and by the time Stan Stan's brother got back to the restaurant, the waitress had cleared the table and the two investors had disappeared. When Steve tried to contact them later, their contact information was worthless. Couldn't find anybody. Yeah. Uh, those two guys were from Belgium. We now learn pedophile ties are kingpinned in Europe, in Belgium, and that there was a mysterious connection of one pedophile being very involved in the alternative energy movement. Now I'm beginning to wonder if this pedophile was the one who let these creeps from Belgium know of this inventor that had something that was going to threaten all of their energy holdings in oil. And so that may have simply been an assassination team that was sent out to kill Stan Meyer. I don't know, but that's another possible link. And when I saw Belgium pop up, both in the pedophile story and knowing that Belgium ties to Stan Meyer's death, you have to wonder. Uh, that's, oh yeah, the, uh, sorry I had to spend so much time on the Lavoie thing, but I tell you, that, that just emotionally, emotionally hurts me when I watch that. Jack, or I think, uh, there's been a post on, Jack McCarthy put it on his Facebook page, but I don't know where the link would be that people could see on the Internet. But someone has put pictures of supposedly the guns that were in um, the vehicle. And it looks like a handgun also that was removed from his jacket or whatever. So that'll be interesting if these are actual pictures. Somebody had made a comment on the other person's post whoever this person is, um, that it's legal to carry guns. <laughs> it's legal to have them. And it was under one of the seats or something. I don't know. But still, it doesn't matter. He had his hands in the air when he got out of the truck. Right. And who pointed the gun first? Correct. If, if you take... They think that whoever put this up, I don't know any of these people. I'm just saying there are now some pictures of supposed guns 
so I guess people can go look at them if they want, but um, that now they feel that what they're doing is they're justifying what they did and, and doing character assassination, basically. Yeah, I mean, the the law of the street says whoever hits, whoever throws the first punch started the battle. And in gunfire, it's whoever shoots first is the one who caused the problem. But when one ar- person is completely unarmed, you have to raise the question, who pointed a gun first? Yeah, that's right. And it was the agents had multiple guns pointed at him. They started the confrontation. So no wonder Lavoie's verbal activities from that point on got very insightful. Any military man would sound that way. A pacifist like myself would certainly get emotional. I probably would not be using the exact same language as Lavoie. I'd faint if somebody put lasers on me. I wouldn't be happy about it. Uh, I mean, I would be so mad because I have a strong justice streak that I probably would be saying some things that weren't very ladylike. But that would tick me off really bad to have something like that. Yeah. Because there's no need of it. There's no need of it. There was no need of them to stop them. There was no need of them to pull this crap in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Other than to kill them. What other reason would they have for doing it? Exactly. And they had their video and everything all set up so they could show the whole thing, like, oh, he ran from us. I'd freaking run, too, if it was the only way I could get away from somebody pointing guns at me. Yeah. Of course you're going to run. Are you kidding me? Especially when you haven't done anything wrong and there's no reason to stop you because they were going to a place that everyone knew, like Belle Am said, she knew about the meeting two two days in advance of that meeting. She knew about it, so it must have been publicized where people could read it. And they could have gone there. They could have been there. I, they had I'm to arrest amazed. them for something or question them or whatever else they had to do. Do their business like honest, upright people instead of little sneaky, disgusting pieces of crap. And that's my kind way of putting it. Yeah. I, I'm amazed that woman and child <laughs> in the back seat got out alive. Uh, it. If I'd been in that car, I would have been screaming probably because my instinct is mothering. I would want yeah. to be protecting everyone else, and I'd be screaming. I'd probably be screaming at them to get the blankety-blank away from us, right? Then yeah. they take that as a threat because they're babies with big weapons. But it's like, you know, what what right did they have to put that fear and terror into these people? They didn't have any right. That's the... I call that justice on the side of the road, and that's not what our system is about. We yeah. have courts, and they're supposed to be operating. Yeah. Uh, I see no difference whatsoever from those actions and the Nazi Gestapo in Germany. Or some gang in a city. That that was that was the same mentality. Yeah. And uh, uh, and. Or those highwaymen that used to pull over the stagecoaches and rob all the people. Yeah, or or same kind of thing. And and not just to pick on Hitler, but Stalin's uh, henchmen were were every bit as evil also. And uh, yeah. they they enforced the communist rule and uh, and paid no no respect for 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 human civility at all. Uh, 
well, anyway, enough of that. And yeah, I guess 12, I guess you, you worded it as, as we all probably all would react, although that expression's almost never in my vocabulary. But, uh, yeah, that, that was just insane pressure being, uh, being forced on the poor guy and, uh, uh, having been around guns, he obviously knew that he was outgunned, that he couldn't possibly have survived a shootout. Uh, and really the words he chose among civilized people would cause the offender to back off and stand down. If somebody is so concerned about their own life that they would use phrases like Lavoie was using, you realize, oh, this fellow is serious. Maybe there's something that needs to be discussed. No, those agents didn't want to discuss anything. They wanted to kill him. Yeah. Okay, trying to move on here to... Uh, <coughs> I won't say yeah, lighter topic. To I'll just say now. a different different topic here. This will be the last thing I have to say today, uh, tonight. But uh, uh, you may have seen a discussion I've been having on and off with uh, Mensa Max back on the Able Danger Board about a, a guy by the name of uh, Dr. William Mount. Um, he's been po- William Mount has been posting some pretty interesting videos uh, the last few months. I never knew much about the guy. The more I research, the more I see that. Well, he quotes, he's made the mistake of, of quoting some satire sites as if it was news. So some of his research wasn't all that good. Um, but as he tries to piece together some stories, he does a fairly good job of it in most situations. Now, he claims to talk to space aliens, so that's another kind of red flag or, or maybe a, a yellow flag. Um, yeah, so uh, William Mount, okay, uh, Charles, you pro- maybe you've got the same opinion I do, namely, he's a mixed bag. He, he says some pretty intelligent stuff, but then he quotes some pretty stupid stuff, too. <laughs> yeah, he keeps quoting Nasera as if that was credible, and I don't think it yeah. is. But uh, uh, in any event, let me... Uh, I'd let love me get, it if Nacera was real. Yeah, let me get this link up, because uh, okay. this one's pretty important. If if my chat link works here. Uh, this one he put up, uh, I guess it would be about 10 hours ago now. Okay. And uh, <laughs> he kind of brings this whole... what's the term, constitutional government issue right to a head. And he's making some pretty strong claims here, but he does some pretty good justification of it. He thinks that uh, General Dunford is a plant and a phony and that Judge Anna is a CIA uh, operative. Hard to um, say. How do we know? We have no way to, of knowing that. Well, that's it. How are we in the public supposed to know? Pretty darn um, sad when you can't even know who's in charge of things that are very important. Well, uh, this video, William Mount has posted some long ones, about 15, 30 minutes, but uh, this one is short. It's only about 8, 10 minutes long. Oh, and and he does a good job of summarizing. It. He says, 
if it's a lie, the lies have climbed to the top. They are now yeah. claiming that Obama is out of the White House in custody and that, I forget the, this other guy's name, but that this other fella is already taking control of the White House. He says that's as high as you can get. Either it's true, yeah. Either it's yeah. true or it's not. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's what that's what Anna von writes and that group, including Field, apparently. Although I haven't heard him mention her name lately, maybe he's still working with her. But that Dunford was named as the person that's in charge because the other one is the corporate government. And they're talking about the, you know, the original, like, the United States as far as the people, not with this uh, fraudulent corporation that's running things. So he he was supposedly, like, named in their paperwork and stuff that he's the one in charge that they need to deliver our money back to. It's Dunford. <clears throat> I read that in something. I don't know if it was one of the ones I read out loud on here a few weeks ago or not, but there was something about Dunford accepting our our treasury back from el- everywhere that it's gone except for to us yeah. because it was taken fraudulently. It's our money, and we want it. Somewhere, the in, the, in, it. Yeah, somewhere in the last two or three weeks, uh, Field had a an after-show guest where he did a, a second show and he yeah. brought on somebody that elaborated about the the constitutional versus uh, corporate governments and whatnot. And, I think I remember that, but and, I forget the person's name. Yeah, just the two or three minutes I listened to, I saw it was obvious that he was in the uh, the the Judge Anna mentality or or pos- political position. We'll put it that way. I, I don't want to downplay her or or anybody here. I'm just saying where, where he was at and. And Field appeared to be buying into everything the guy was saying, and I thought, well, I've heard that from from my roommate, who's who's also kind of has those same, similar feelings. Uh, I've heard We're it before. We're all in different places and different aspects of this whole thing. We're all in yeah. different places. Some people don't know much of anything, and other people have been studying on it for years. You worked in the finance area. Yeah. Um, I've been the victim of the finance area, so I get it because I've had the brunt of it. But the things that are happening lately that are also in mainstream news, that Leisner guy, or whatever his last name is, L-E-I-S-S-N-E-R, from the one MDB in um, Malaysia, who quit and is a Goldman Sachs person, that stuff all related to what was on Neil Keenan's website. So we have people who everybody's been seeing as this far out, you know, doing things, who knows what his story is over there, to things coming to this level where it's like gelling now. It's like, okay, so we got him over there, and we got this guy who just quit, and he's, you know, some of it's in the mainstream news, some of it's off in the conspiracy site, some of it is someone dropping a little information over at Godlike Productions, because they say they know, because their uncle told them or whatever. That's a big joke over there, but frankly... A lot of our information has come from that kind of stuff where my uncle told me. My uncle, somebody I know that I trust, told me this. And it'll be one little piece. That's why I say we don't know how important our one little piece is. And that's why I think that shows like this are important because we just sit around and just chat about what we think because of our background. We don't know if it's true or not. We just know that, that... 
some of these aspects are things we can confirm. You know, my wondering is all about the things that I've seen in my life and how it relates to these stories because I didn't know it was significant at the time. But now I realize that it probably was, you know. I'm sure they were running stuff through this place because we had international flights coming here. They came here to clear customs. They came into Bangor to clear customs from Europe. So there were the airport was operating, you know, 24 hours a day, really busy back in those days. And now it's not quite the same because they changed the laws. I can't even remember what year it was, but they changed the laws that they didn't have to clear customs until they landed somewhere. And they brought them to other places, so they didn't always clear customs here anymore. But they used to refuel, clear customs. People would. We have an international arrivals building at our airport so that people can be outside of the country and get off the plane. That's not something that's everywhere. That's for sure. You know, so I was back in the 70s. I was amongst all these people that were around out there. I saw things, I heard things, but I didn't know they meant anything. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. strange. <laughs> back, in, back in the seventies is when they were setting up all the situations that we're dealing with now. <laughs> well, and I mean, the it—I don't know because I can't prove any of it, and my husband's dead now, so you know I can't ask him if he was alive. I mean, maybe I could ask him some of these things. Do you remember anything like this? Do you did you see anything like this? Maybe he knew and couldn't say anything. I don't know, but there were, you know, when I think back on it and stuff about the timing of things, like when they talk about their timelines, that's why I always keep saying if we had a timeline, we could probably, you know, see what was happening here, what was happening in California, what was happening in New York, you know, all these different places. But um, they were, uh, even in the movies, when you watch movies, how are they smuggling stuff? They're doing it with ground crews at airports. It's always somebody like the caterers, you know, rolling something on the plane or taking something off the plane. Someone else comes and picks it up in the truck. Nobody sees it because they're at the airport. That kind of thing. We used to laugh about that stuff. We used to think it was funny because, like, yeah, they think you're smuggling stuff because you're catering. Maybe they were. I don't know. I wasn't there all the time. I have no idea. Yeah. But there were were locked trolleys that came. The reason the trolleys were locked was because they had controlled things on it like was like um alcoholic beverages. Um they would put these seals on them and they were numbered seals. I used to pack them. I used to pack the wine and stuff sometimes. Mm-hmm. So and you'd have to, you know, lock it up and write down the number of that trolley. What was on it? Wine, you know. But they could have who would have even noticed if there was another one added? You wouldn't have seen it. There would be no reason to open it. So, I don't know. It's kind of creepy, though, when you think about it. Uh, You're kind of reminding me of another sort of a broad brush, inaccurate comment I heard David Hawkins make was, uh, uh, I think it was something about... uh, uh, Trump's planes getting converted to drones. Yeah, I, I by, heard something like that. He used the term scab workers. 
Yeah. And he brought up a name that's kind of near and near and dear to me, the uh, International Alliance of uh, Aerospace and Machinist Workers. Uh, aerospace machine, International Aerospace Machinist is the initial IAM. Excuse me, I was a member of that union for 11 years myself. Yeah, I think you mentioned it, didn't you, that day? I, I did in the chat. and You're probably the only one who saw my comment before it vaporized on the top of the board. Could be. Uh, but uh, David implied that, oh, yeah, these, these scab workers during a strike came in, and, and they got all the work done, so none of the regular crew ever witnessed anything. I'm thinking, well, David, you've worked in the oil industry. Have you ever set foot in an aerospace plant? Uh, conversions like that aren't done by anybody and everybody. And the comment I was trying to get across was, okay, you may be talking about commercial aircraft here, and that is a slightly different story, but as far as anybody coming in and doing modifications to military aircraft, that was impossible. Where I worked, you had to go through a six-month security clearance to get a right to work there. Even during a union strike, there was no such thing as a scab worker coming into our plant. Yep. When we had a union strike, that plant shut down and was dark. Nobody could get a security clearance adequate to come in and touch anything for six months. Don't go telling me scab workers came in and did anything. So Dave is a little short-sighted, and I I know that was the situation in, in the bizarre military place I was in, but I tend to think commercial aircraft is just as touchy that they're not going to let scab workers come in and touch a commercial airliner that carries 300 people or whatever. That's uh, skilled professionals with the proper credentials and the proper security badges to touch anything. Uh, so David's imagination is just kind of going wild here. My imagination goes wild, too, because I see connections with everything. Yeah. I mean, some of it may not be significant, but like I say, if you don't talk about it, how are you going to know? Like, Valiam just brought up something about um, a train that she saw going towards the Boise Airport. I'm like, our our airport manager here in Bangor went to Boise next. She's out there now. She's at the Boise Airport. She was here. For during 9-11, actually, and not too long before that, I don't believe. It was around the same time. I looked for things that happened around that time to see who moved, who who came into areas to do work, who left. You know, during Reagan's administration, there was a shakeup with the air traffic controllers. That was a big deal here because some of those people had been air traffic controllers for years. Yeah. But there was this big shakeup, and all of a sudden you got different people there. Well, why would you want different people there? Why wouldn't you want the experienced people there? And I think it's for the same reason that they have contractors come from other states to do big jobs in a state. And everybody complains. And they go, that's not right. Why don't they hire local people? There's a reason for that. 
because local people know the other people around them, and someone from out of state is a stranger. They don't interact the same way. They can do things that the locals would talk about. So, I mean, it is like, am I just getting paranoid now or what? Yeah. I think it's because uh, we're noticing how they operate and how they do things without being noticed. Yeah, I observed that when uh, when Reagan pulled that stunt of firing the uh, the aircraft or air uh, traffic union, uh, he lost a lot of union support then. Hmm. And the broad brush comment of "Oh, all unions are are controlled by by communists," and if you're a union worker, you always vote Democrat anyway, so why worry about it? No, it was not always that case. Union workers, as far as the ones I encountered, were pretty much conservative because they had jobs, and the lazy guy out on the street didn't have a job. Was the attitude inside a union shop? Uh, so. And shucks, I worked with with Mexicans, legal Mexicans. Uh, they voted conservative too. Yeah. Uh, th- there was uh, very l- little respect for for liberal communism, uh, and they were gung ho on Reagan until he pulled that stunt with the traffic control union, and attitudes changed. I couldn't believe it. I figured for sure we were going to have a lot of crashes and stuff because the air traffic controllers weren't going to be experienced. Well, I was afraid of that, too. We, yeah. we all were. We knew some of these people personally. I didn't really know them, but my husband did because he was there, because he was at the airport. They all knew each other. It's not like this is a huge place, you know. There were probably 20 people out there that all knew each other really well, including the old airport manager that was there for years. They just named the terminal renovation they did recently. They named it after him. His name was Pete DeRico. He was there for years. He was in Stephen King's movie, The Langoliers, which had some uh, some of the um, movie was filmed at the airport. Yeah. So there were some main people in it, some Bangor area people were in the movie at the end when they had a scene where they're sitting outside eating. I didn't watch the whole movie, but I did look at that part because I wanted to know if I knew any of the people. Yeah. And, I, um, I remember the movie. I, I, I yeah, watched well, it on on YouTube, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was like a series or something, mini-series yeah. or something. And um, they did all kinds of... I think that was the one where they filmed on um, 395 also, which was a spur that was built off of I-95 going towards the um, Route 1A, which goes down to Ellsworth and Bar Harbor. <clears throat> they were building that road, and I think they used some of that for filming the movie before it opened when the construction was almost done. And um anyway, we I mean back in those days there were there were just some people that were doing a lot of work and they spent a lot of time together because the airport was in operation around the clock and it was extremely busy. We had, you know, the phone would ring in the middle of the night. And uh would jump out of bed and run over, do some work, and come home a couple hours later. Like he'd get a call, like LaGuardia's closed. They're fogged in, so they're closed, and you're going to be getting flights, and there would be all these flights would land Mm. unexpectedly, and they had to be ready to feed them. (laughs) So, yeah, so he'd run out, and he had a bunch of people that worked out there with him, and some of them were related, and they all lived 
kind of near each other, so he'd head out, pick them all up, and bring them in so they wouldn't have to drive in. Oh, that, that's right. You have to deal with nasty weather back there. Uh, oh, we had we had so much going on here at one time, and I would say that it was probably the busiest that I remember was mid to late 80s, and uh, we were all working over there, my kids and me. We were working over there part-time, too, because it was impossible to get all the work done, and then other days it would be slow. But I was helping in the office. I was helping packing um, liquor, the liquor kits, they called it, uh, and wine. And I was packing soda. I was helping sometimes with the um, the packing of the food, um, like wrapping and stuff like that. Sometimes I would help on the hot end, making the other the other parts of the meals, the hot part. So I knew all the people too. It was very busy over there. They had a what they called a, a dish room because it was a big dishwasher, huge dishwasher that you put things in one end of a conveyor and it would come out the other end, bigger than like a cafeteria one. It was just huge. And it had to be really hot because it was federal food guidelines and everything to clean everything. And they had a sheltered workshop there for um, – mentally challenged adults so they had a place to work and that was their domain out there they had a couple of job coaches and they were out there they were happy as clams out there (laughs) that's what they did they were in charge of the dishes and just you know met a lot of interesting international people that would come in the different airline reps I I just had a really unusual vantage point of this and Every once in a while, I just have these things cross my mind. It's like, oh, yeah, and then there was that thing, you know, when they talk about, like, Frank Sinatra and stuff. And I go, yeah, and then there was the day we ran into Frank Sinatra's mother. At least she said she was. This elderly woman in a great big car, and she was driving around, and we're like, can we help you? And she said, yeah, she said, I'm trying to find the terminal, and it was when it used to be um, Northeast Airlines, which is a small terminal, over um, where the private, the general aviation is, was the original terminal, I believe. And so we said, well, follow us. We'll show you how to get there. And we turned to go up the street. And she went straight and went right into the air guard. Well, I mean, not the air guard. I think it's the army guard on that side. But she went right through the gates, (laughs) right into their area. And they, of course, came running. But we weren't going to stay there and talk to her because we figured they could tell her how to get to the terminal. She drove right onto their base <laughs> through a gate. But those were the old days. They weren't as, as tight with things as they are now. Yeah. And you wouldn't do that now. There's probably a sentry there with a gun. But she claimed she was Frank Sinatra's mother, and she was trying to get back to the airport terminal. It was just a riot. I mean, where do you run into people like this? I just think it's funny. <laughs> I don't know. Well, a lot yeah. of famous people would come through too, and sometimes the presidents, and interacted with Secret Service and the whole works. We did all that stuff. You run into weird situations like that in a thing called life, <laughs> and the older we get, the more those odd, <laughs> odd stories stack up. <laughs> yeah, it's just you know it's so strange because it's like not everybody does that certainly. So what causes us to be in this place? I mean, I believe it's God myself, but. I know not everybody thinks that, but I believe it's God. You know, what What? What one thing could cause us not to have been there at the time? We were there at the exact time. We, we had the motivation to talk to this person. 
you know, it's no big, huge deal or anything, but why the heck was she here? They weren't from Maine. <laughs> why was she in Maine? You know? <sighs> I, I Driving don't know. around it's, it's on the, the wrong the, side of the road, probably. And it, it's the tapestry of life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. People move around and they interact and odd conversations take place and somebody mentions some, something and next thing you know, you've solved something because, hey, why were they in that place? They were there then. Obviously, you saw them. So, I don't know. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> so I'm, I'm, thanks for reminding me about the, the carbon monoxide map. I had almost forgot that story. I've had so many other things distract me here in the last... It keeps changing. I check it every couple of days. It keeps changing. It was down almost completely over, like, New York because it was right near Long Island. Well, and then it went up, and it was up a little further, like around Massachusetts, but that was about it. And today it looked like it was spread out a little more. I don't know. That, that one, Yeah, that one day, and I think it was the 25th of last month, when it was pretty apparent that the entire San Andreas Vault, San, was huge. Vault, uh, vault, San Andreas Fault Line, clear from uh, Baja, New Mexico, up through California, and through Oregon on into Washington, suddenly belched out this enormous amount of carbon monoxide all at once. Uh, that was startling to look at. And you, you scroll back on the historicals, and you see, yeah, the day before, the air was nice and clear, and then suddenly the state of California and Oregon just turned black on the map. Yep. Uh, that was huge. And then the the thing that concerns me is is this crazy cash and all the weird stuff he's into, and he seems to be making some progress on on stroke and cancer treatments. So I, I keep trying to wade through his videos, and man, they keep getting longer and longer. Last week he posted the seven hour one, and now he's got another three hour one I got to watch. So I'm about ten hours behind in in his videos. <laughs> You're further uh, ahead than I am because I can't even watch him for ten minutes. I can't oh yeah. Understand a thing he uh, says. Someone should be doing transcripts, I guess. Well, th- there's so much dead time when somebody gets confused about something and and it takes him forty minutes to re-explain something and well, there's not really anything to take notes on there. Well, instead of a transcript, then maybe a synopsis of his main ideas. Yeah. Well. <laughs> That's what I'm kind of trying to do with my own personal notes here is is just yeah. comment of, well, there was an important image at at this time mark on, on the video to come back to, and he explained this topic for the next 10-minute stretch here and whatever. So I'm trying to do that much so that I can go back and, and clarify something if I need to. Uh, from one of his skeptics, and this is a serious thing, even though I, I sound like an avid cash supporter to an extent I am, but one of his skeptics has pointed out something very serious also. When you use the term nano, you are now talking atomic size. And yeah. there has never been a filter invented to filter out nanoparticles. If you get nanoparticles in your bloodstream, there is no method known to man to get it out of your blood. So when Cash talks about making nano this and nano that, it better be handled under extremely careful conditions. It's nothing you want to touch with your physical skin. So that is a red flag I've 
have to point out to anybody who who gets as fascinated as I am with some of Kesha's stuff that's starting to show some really impressive results. But uh, my goodness, go back to your industrial hygiene knowledge from anybody who had a, a factory job and, and know how you have to keep your workplace perfectly clean and make sure you don't accidentally inhale something you're not supposed to. Because once that stuff gets into your bloodstream, it's there permanently. And talk about potentially carcinogens. Yeah, nanomaterials would be at the top of the list. So it might be permanently in your body doing good all the time. That might be a beneficial aspect. But if there's any way that that nanomaterial should ever change its characteristic and become harmful, you're in bad shape because there's no known way to filter it out. So anyway, not not to scare anybody, but that that's been drawn to my attention lately. Um, let's see, I was, I was starting to say something about Kish though. That uh, and uh, yeah, I'm getting old and, and losing my train of thought here. So uh, Field is not the only one who who, who jumps topics at times. <laughs> We're all the same age. So. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, well, just that I'm, I'm continuing to watch Cash. I haven't given up on him uh, totally yet. Uh, oh, and and we'll see. Oh, earthquakes! That was the tie. The the he's been adamant about something nasty is going to happen in Los Angeles in April uh, of a seismic nature, and it's kind of odd that he's screaming. A problem's going to happen in April, the same time that all this political stuff is going on. Maybe change of government, maybe threats against Trump, maybe who knows what else on the political end. And we've heard rumors all along that, oh, the inside Illuminati knows when every asteroid's coming close to the planet. They know when catastrophes are going to happen. And so they're going to create intentional chaos just before the catastrophe so that they'll be able to march in with their Nazi Gestapo as soon as the uh, the catastrophe hits. And we kind of saw that with Department of Homeland Security right after 9-11. Uh, and, uh, well, Katrina and whatever, we, the, the old Geithner uh, comment of never let, a, uh, uh, never let a disaster go to waste. And we see these uh, these power mongers just abusing every chaotic situation, and maybe some of them know of a uh, a seismic stress buildup and know that yeah there is a big earthquake coming, and that's when they're going to institute the uh, the next uh, grotesque uh, political stunt. Uh, anyhow, that's. Uh, that's it. And let's see, a couple of red things came up on my screen. Oh, looks like Charles wanted to say something? I don't know. And Ginger, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, Sorry. okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so anyway, I came to a stall point. I don't know if... Uh, Me too. I'm tired. I'm ready to fall asleep here, but I'm unmuting Charles in case he wanted to say something because he called in and he doesn't usually... Hi, Charles. Hi, Ginger. Hi, Pete. Uh, greetings. Nice, nice Hi. to hear another voice tonight. 
Thank you, thank you. Um, it's my West um, Coast people that that are a lot earlier than me. I'm like half asleep sitting here because I'm East Coast. Yeah, yeah, talk, yeah. We're just getting quick, our batteries charged over here. Yeah, really. Um, but um, uh, if you don't mind me jumping in a little bit, um, I, I wanted to comment on uh, the interface with uh, Field McConnell and his Able Danger show and things like that. Okay. Um, uh, I, I just ask you make your comment short because Ginger's about to fall asleep. <laughs> it's really okay. Back well, there. <laughs> I, I just wanted to mention that um, I've been aware of Fields' work for a long time, and I've got a close friend that's really been um, uh, involved with Fields' work, and um, the other fellow, the British guy, I forget his name. Um, David, David Hawkins. Hawkins. Yeah, Hawkins. Um, uh, the the guy that I'm talking about that I'm connected with closely is named Tim White. He's in BC, Canada. He used to be from Colorado. Do either of you know Tim White? Yeah. He used to live in Maine also. Ah, that sounds right. Yeah, I, yeah. I remember Field mentioning Tim White in the past, so I, I've heard the name before. All right. Do you guys have an opinion of his credibility? Of I don't know Tim. anything about his credibility. I know that he has very much um, been unglued and really not nice to people. He does have a short fuse, yes. Very short fuse, and it's, it's something that alarms people. I haven't seen him around lately, but I do remember him a couple years yeah. ago, I think, or three years ago, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I knew he was from Maine because he mentioned it to me yeah. at the time. I don't remember if I emailed or if Field told me or how I knew that, but I think he was from northern Maine, if I recall. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm glad I, I'm hearing the voice of a listener uh, tonight because I, I wanted to make sure that nobody gets the impression I'm criticizing Field McConnell. I've got extreme respect for his research. The only point I'm bringing up, I have to go back to that Lavoy video. Lavoy was right in everything he did, but the last few seconds of his life, his words got him killed. It, and, it, they certainly contributed to his demise, yes. Yeah, and I, I just have to warn all my friends, we've got to be careful with our words here because there's oh, yeah. maniacs out there that are going to misinterpret our intentions. They're looking for opportunity to misinterpret our intentions. Yeah, so that that's the only issue of why I, I get a little annoyed when, when Field does seem to get a little cocky on, on his show and or tosses something up that's really just a theory and, and kind of words it as if it's known fact when it's not quite proven yet. Let's let's yeah. just be a little more careful in our words is all I'm bringing up. So go ahead, Charles, get your point in. Well, I, I just wanted to reaffirm your, your words there, Pete, that um, uh, um, uh, the, 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 the whole thing with Lavoie uh, and, and Field, um, um, I, they're there, there are well. I guess field first. Um, I, I, I think it's clear from from what you've spoken so, thus far that you generally hold field in respect. You're just sharing a little bit of constructive criticism about him there. That's it. Um, yeah, and that's a healthy thing. You know, name of God, uh, uh, please criticize me when I'm screwing up. That that's how we we improve our game is is by having other good people around us telling us when we're goofing up. Um, um, and everybody benefits therefrom if 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 we're all open-hearted and humble about it. Well, it was it was um, always said 
it's a leaderless network. That was always said. Everybody was supposedly on the same page and working on the same things, which was to bring as much exposure as possible. Right. So right. I'm just saying. That that was Fields' mantra, that it's supposed to be a leaderless yeah. uh, resistance? he would say it all the time. It's a leaderless network. There, It's just that he's the most visible person. Well, he's also the most knowledgeable person from what I've seen, but he would not accept the leadership role. When people would say you're the, you know, oh no, I'm not. I'm not in charge of this. Yeah. So it's like people would feel that they were contributing on an equal basis, and it isn't exactly how it feels at this point. Yeah. Yeah, and so. I, it's it's my opinion that we need some leadership, somebody willing to step in to that leadership position. Um. Um. And, yeah, I um, I don't know who is the best choice for that, but when people with obvious skill sets in these areas, like Field, um, uh, refuse to assume the duties that comes along with the leadership that is obviously at least circling around his show and things, um, then somebody else needs to, to provide the cohesion, the organization. We're talking about things like doing transcripts of shows so we don't have to wade through eight hours of videos, uh, summaries, so that so that we can quickly and efficiently come up to speed on the merits of the research that each of the individual discussions are producing. We should not have to sit down and listen to an eight-hour video when there's only a half-hour worth of valuable intel being provided there. Um, Things like that, you know, that that all focuses on leadership and competence and organization in a in a team effort here. And God well, knows our enemies are organized, but we're not, man. Yeah, well, Desert Peak was talking about cash, I believe, on that eight-hour thing, not Able Danger. Yeah, it's Moran Cash that that produces these outrageously long videos, and you have to wait. But yes, focus. you're right. Also, Field is like <laughs> he wanders also, but well, it's not the same thing. And, and I keep pointing out, taking 90 minutes out of the middle of my business day is almost as offensive as an eight-hour video. Yeah, yeah, the Able Danger thing is, um, you know, the the way it developed was was just odd. I think it was really odd the way it developed, but it has developed the way it is. A lot of the people that were there originally aren't really around now, as far as I know. Some of the people that are there now, I don't know who they are. Um, or where they're from, he knows, but I can't keep track of them because it seems like a lot of new people. I don't know if you feel that way, Desert Pete. Yeah, it, it's it's changed. There's definitely a lot of names there. Uh, like I don't know what happened right to uh, Anita. Where is she? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I did see Taco Man is back. He disappeared there for a few weeks. We have we have people that were really active that just disappear. They're just like not there anymore, and I don't know what happened if they left because they were upset or they somebody died in their family or what. I mean, we just don't have any way to, uh, to I, deal I with have, that. I just have to toss my excuse on the stack and say that I think everybody else is the same thing. It, it's coming on live right in the middle of everybody's business day. And For me, it, it's two o'clock in the afternoon till three thirty. Well, and I yeah, you're right. I'm usually doing something these days because I've been trying, as I call it, trying to save my empire. 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I'm business. not talking about the empire, the greater one. I'm talking about my small microcosm empire that's been impacted by all this stuff over the past 10 years or more, more that's taken me down. So I'm trying to save my my life's work, basically, from being taken by thieves and pirates. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing in my spare time. Yep. <clears throat> but I don't know. I haven't been able to follow as much as I did in the first place. I used to do all kinds of stuff. I used to go over to the airport and observe who was flying in and out because there were things happening, and and it was obvious in real time. You know, like, you can't say that, certain things are happening when here it is right in front of our face that this other thing is happening. For example, Russian cargo planes landing here. <laughs> Desert Pete knows about that because he get all excited when I told him, hey, we're having the, what, Antonov land today. Well. Um, things like that. <laughs> it's like, oh, we're not friends with the Russians? Are you kidding me? We're doing, we're doing business with them because there's a great big cargo plane I've never seen one so large, and it's got Russian writing all over it. And the locals, we drive up and we look at it and go, that's amazing. Look at the size of that thing. And we roll down our windows because we're Mainers and we speak to each other. And we go, what the heck is that? And then the other guy goes, oh, that's a cargo plane there shipping something over to Russia. And I'm like, I thought we weren't getting along with those people. Oh, well, we do. You know, wink, wink. Exactly. If it comes (laughs) to money, we get along great, right? Yeah. Uh for Hillary well, Clinton's uh, Uranium One connection, things like that. To to out there to the to the refuge and to the yeah. uh, yes oh yeah we talked about that on here too a few weeks ago about yeah. Uranium One. Yeah. Isn't that yeah, just so. special and so convenient? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've got stuff going on that's going on in every state probably, but a lot of people are oblivious to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mainers tend to observe because we don't have a whole lot to do here. We work and we, you know, we we work and we take care of things and we're practical in general, the old Mainers. But there's not a lot of us, but we're related, so we talk. Mm-hmm. You know, I say we've got one million three hundred thousand people. It's it's a very uh, small population spread out over the largest state in New England. And people, you know, they, they tend to get an idea about about Maine that's incorrect because it's an odd place. You know, that's why I think it's interesting. It's because it's odd. <clears throat> you could go an hour in any direction and meet people that are entirely different. They live differently. You know, their ideas are different. It's just a, I think it's because we're mixed. We're mixed from various cultures that came here to to build the state up. We have French. We have two kinds of French. We have the New Brunswick French people, and we have the Quebec French people, and they're not alike either, who came to Maine and worked in the factories and worked in the, you know, harvesting crops and things like that and building railroads and truckers and all this stuff. We had all these things going on. We have So we have French Catholics. New Brunswick, Quebec that came in, and then we have Irish Catholics that came that during the famine and everything and started farming in Maine. And we have Swedes that came in and had a colony in northern Maine, and we had Russians that came in around the Richmond area, so we have some Russians, and it's just very interesting. And then we had the English come up from, like, Boston area and 
you know, the original Mayflower people and all these people that came up through Massachusetts and Maine and started towns. And, you know, we have a lot of common ancestry in Maine. So even if you don't know you're related, you start doing your genealogy and you find that you are. So, And we have Indians and... And now we have Somalians. We've had Somalians over the past few years, too, because they came, I think Catholic Charities brought them into, I believe it was Lewiston. So we have Somalians living here that were totally out of their culture but wanted to bring their culture and have it. It's just an odd, odd place. So, you know, it's interesting. Our political views are different, and we've got about half and half for the two parties, and then we've got a bunch of libertarians that are floating around and making waves, and constitutionalists, and people say what they want to say, and some of them fight, and they're in the same family, and it's just real different. <laughs> I don't think it happens in every state. Let's put it that way. So... Do you find that it happens like that in Oregon? Yeah, to a large extent. We're a mixed bag, too. We're, uh, Portland metro area here is called Little Beirut, you know? Have you heard that? <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a nickname. No, because... I just resent that when someone says Portland, they just assume it's Oregon. And I'm you, sitting here reading go. the whole there thing about Portland, and I'm going, I don't recognize that. Where the heck? And then all of a sudden I realize, oh, they never said that it wasn't our Portland. They just put Portland like it should be just, you should just assume it's Portland, Oregon. <laughs> uh, what's the population of Portland, Maine? I don't even know. But if we only have a million, 300,000 in the whole state, it must be, you know. Yeah, probably 40,000 or something. I don't even know. It might be larger than that because it's a, it's a metropolitan area, really. It's got a lot of small towns that are connected. I mean, you barely would see any difference from the town to Portland. They're right yeah. there together. Yeah, Falmouth and Brunswick and South Portland and Westbrook and Scarborough, Gorham. These are all towns that, I mean, you, you're, they're right there together. So, I don't know. Yeah. Um, Portland, Oregon is, is quite a bit bigger metro area. Oh, yeah, um, sure. Yeah, so, but if I might shift subjects just a moment with sure, you, um, um, the uh, I, I I've Tim White that I referenced earlier, um, I I know he was very angry earlier before uh, in, in times past. Um, in my communications with him recently, um, he's learned to throttle back quite a bit and develop his diplomatic skills more. And I couldn't help but think um, um, that he might be a beneficial contributor to the discussions that you guys are hosting here. Um, he has difficulties with field, um, as most people do, but um, he, he's generally circling the same area of research and stuff, and he comes up with a lot of really good, powerful insights, I think. Um, and I just thought I'd mention that to you in case it seemed oh, like... Oh, I used might. to read his things. He used to email and stuff, but he became abusive to people, frankly. I, I just I don't like having that around because it's too uh, unpredictable to me. Uh, I, I, I he's better, I don't know. But I don't know him at all. 
I just felt that he was abusive to people. And I don't remember if he turned it on me or not. He may have. Because it was just like, okay, I don't really know what this is about. And uh, Field never, as far as I know, he never said a thing about him. He would just say, yes, there are some people that don't, you know, don't want to deal with him or whatever. And I tell them, you have to decide for yourself what you want to do. So he's never really spoken against him or anything, nothing like that. But I do remember seeing emails, um, you know, from him. He used to send, like, a, a newsletter or something out. He used to send out things that he had studied on and share it. And I would read them. Uh-huh. But there were people that just, I mean, they would get into these horrible, really not good, I mean, really bad arguments online. Yeah, his people didn't even know each other. Small. Um, yeah, it was like way over any normal boundaries that anyone would have. And yeah, like, yeah. What the heck? <laughs> well, it, you know? just for what it's worth, I, I thought I'd mention it, uh, and I do think that he's he's improved in his social skills there. Does, uh, he, does he call into anyone's show? Uh, no, no, I think he's burned most of his bridges. <laughs> but um, but um, he, writes, he writes somewhere? Well, he sends out emails and he does research, and uh, other people like myself pick up on it and try to glean from it and repackage it. And he, he's he's a poor email composer, generally speaking, I think. And so I, I usually, if he has something worthwhile, I usually repackage it in my own words and formatting in my own email and send it on out. Um, so he usually just emails then. Well, stuff um, I he. he other than private conversations with me, yes, um, that's the only mode of communication I know. Um, I, I'm sure he has private conversations with others, too, but I don't think he participates in any forum discussions like what you or Field are hosting. Now, I don't remember him coming on. Do you, Desert Pete? Did he ever come on the show? Or was it mostly uh, well, just... I don't, I don't recall. I, I do was a while he... ago. He was uh, prolific in his comments on the chat board there for a long time. About was that back when we were on um, Joe McNeil's station? Well, it could have gone that, since, yeah, it could have uh, gone that that far back. And yeah, because right. that, we we had a falling out with with um, the station that used to carry it, which was Joe McNeil. That was um, what was it called? Micro something, wasn't it? It was some small network in Idaho. Bellam probably knows. Um yeah, and they got into some kind of argument, Field and the owner, and that was really bad too. And then they left there and I think that was when Raylan was still there. But they might have separated. I think they had separated from Raylan. Raylan Allen. Well yeah, it was it was originally Raylan's talk show. When and I first had, heard them, that's where I heard them was on yeah, Raylan's and show. Then she had health problems, and she kind of handed the show over to uh, to David and Field. I called in once to Raylan's show when they were on, talked to Raylan and them, because <laughs> huh. I was realizing I was connecting the dots on what they were saying. I said, you know, this was really, like, too weird. I I just turned it on. I don't even remember why. I don't know if I was just searching around for something to listen to, like a podcast, and I was just like, whoa, I know about this stuff. And people are talking about September 11th, which is one of my favorite things, because I know it's false. I know the story's not right. 
and so I started listening to them, and that was the that was the beginning of it for me. I I didn't even you know I was doing my own stuff before that because my original um, really big research project I started was on the election of 2000. I was so angry about it, and I started getting into that about the um, how they manipulated things and how they lied about who was in Miami Dade, you know, for the counting and who were in the, I could probably take that picture now and probably look at it and go, hey, there's so-and-so and there's someone else, because it's long enough ago now that they probably used these people again since then, you know. But it just, you know, it kind of snowballed from then because I knew something was wrong with September 11th, and I was telling people here why I was so upset, and they just were saying, you know, like my husband was saying, Probably they don't want to hear from you because they already know or they don't need your information. He, you know, he just, he minimized what I was trying to say, which was something was going on here in Bangor, and I saw it. And he, my husband was saying, you know, it, it wasn't anything. It was nothing. If it was something, they would have called you back. And right then I was like, something's wrong. The FBI is asking for people to give information, but yet they're not taking the information. Yeah, they're not listening. They're posturing. They, they were putting ads everywhere, call us if you know anything, blah, 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 blah. I called finally. I think I called a week after because at first I didn't realize I had any information. I was thinking about it at the time it happened, which was before the attacks. So I was telling people what had happened before the attacks, how weird this encounter I had was. And then the attacks occurred, and of course it was so traumatizing to the entire public, and I was working in a school, so we were taking care of our kids at school and making sure everybody was okay, and the whole thing, it was just doing special projects, the whole works, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so after I had a chance to actually see what happened, because they wouldn't let us even watch it on television, because we were in the school building with kids, so I was traumatized by that, really, because I didn't know what was going to happen. We we had people coming in and saying, oh, now they're headed for the Congress next. They're, like, checking vehicles for bombs. And, and we're, the parents would come in and tell us this stuff, but we couldn't turn on a TV to watch it. So we were just with the kids thinking, are we going to be alive? Why don't they let us go home? We should leave. Everybody should be going home now. We don't know what's happening. We're under attack, right? So I get home, and I watch the videos. And, of course, it, it's not happening in real time then. It's just being told again. It's being, like so your emotions are a mess. So it happened on a Tuesday morning, right? Um, I guess so. I believe it was a Tuesday morning. 9-11, yeah. And Saturday was the first day that I could let down, express the emotions, which was very heavy because we'd been holding it in the entire week with the kids. Um, and I went to visit. Mrs. Cohen, which was the Secretary of Defense Cohen's mother, Bill Cohen's mother, he was no longer Secretary of Defense that day, but he hadn't been out of that job for very long. Um, and I went over to see her. She was sitting on the porch, and I drove up, and it was Saturday morning was really sunny, but it felt real weird. People were riding around town. They had their flags on their cars, the whole thing. And I broke down. I mean, I was like, now I can let down. So, you know, and I started talking to her and I said, oh, my God, you know, what the heck happened? Of course, she she was older and stuff and she was odd, kind of an odd person anyway. 
but I said, you must be so relieved that your son's not Secretary of Defense right now. She said, yes. But um, it just, it was like, it was like, now we have to try to figure out what exactly happened. At the time it happened, when it, when it was first happening, we did have the television on because somebody came in and said, you got to turn on the TV and see what's going on in New York City. And I was the librarian, so I had a big TV in the library, and it was one of the only ones that anybody would see except if they were in the teacher's room or something. So some of the people came in and looked at that, and then the principal said we had to turn it off because they didn't want kids walking by and seeing it because it was a K-8 school. The junior high level, I think they did turn on televisions in their classroom, seventh and eighth grade, but the younger kids, they didn't want them to see it. And so we turned it off. <clears throat> I had my little laptop computer in my office, and I had plugged it into the network, and I was watching little bits and pieces on my laptop because they were streaming things. But it was just, it was like surreal, and the way it was handled was surreal, and I just knew something was wrong. Well, anyway, so about a week later, after I'd had a chance to think about it, I went, hey, wait a minute. Remember that odd thing that happened, like, I think it was August, probably around the 14th or so. I don't remember the date. I could have found it at the time, but no one seemed interested. And it was, you know, three or four weeks before it, before this attack occurred. And um, I believe it was them. I think it was them. They were here. They were planning stuff. So they were all over this area. People told stories. No one ever talks about the Bangor area. They always talk about Portland. Yeah. You know what tripped me on the 911 thing? I, I was hesitant to think it was an inside job, but when, you know, within the first week or so, we were discussing it and everything, and, and then it came to the fore that there was an order for NORAD had sent an order for the Air Force to stand down and not respond to the incoming planes. That, that's what clicked in my brain when, when that, that, oh my God, somebody in position of power told the, our air defense system to stand down and allow those planes to come in and theoretically crash into the, the towers. Um, yeah. And yeah, that was that was. I, I was I was sitting on the fence, you know, listening to all the inside story conspiracy stuff, and boom, that put it together for me in my brain when, when, it came to light that there was orders to for the Air Force to stand down because there's no other purpose for our entire military industrial complex than to defend from from precisely those type of attacks. And, right. and so our whole entire military industrial complex is worthless as a sack of poop anytime uh, 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 somebody in a position of power says stand down when there's an enemy at the gate assaulting us. That's exactly what Fields says, too. He said he knew immediately. Because well, yeah, Fields in the Air Force, he should know that real clear that, that is, there's it. no other existent purpose for the existence of the entire Air Force than to defend to the, the airspace over the USA. We used to have that ready stuff right here, and I don't know, they probably still do out at the um, Air Guard end of the base. But when we were first here in Bangor, which was um, 6970 is when we came here, because my husband and I came down to go to school. Mm -hmm. He was he was 
from southern Maine. I was from northern Maine. We met at school in Orono, University of Maine. Um, back then, they used to have the ready planes right, right, I mean, right there. Like, I'm not sure we could actually see them, but we knew where they were. And they were like at the end of the runway, basically. They could take off at any any moment. <laughs> they were at the ready all the time. And they were armed. <laughs> it was like, what the heck? But they were protecting, like, major defenses here. We used to have, like, you know, backscatter radar, all kinds of stuff here in Maine. And um, so I, I just knew there were so many aspects to it. I knew that something was wrong. There were people telling stories course around the time that it happened about all the weird things they had seen leading up to it and uh, one of the weirdest ones and I mention this every time because it's like anytime someone talks about it because it's so bizarre but if you take out a map of Maine and you look at Route 9 it goes from it probably goes east it probably goes west also but I'm thinking of it from Bangor east it goes over towards Callis and um, Callis is like if you look at Maine it's got an odd shape in there it's the right part that protrudes roughly where Callis is, and it goes into Canada there, New Brunswick, the road does. But um, going across Route 9, they call it the airline. It's a very, it's a fairly straight road across, and it goes through some of the most untouched parts of Maine. There's no reason for anybody to go on some of this land. They probably never walk on it or anything, but you can see it for quite a long distance. And north of that, um, there are these roads called the CCC roads, which were built by the CCC crews, <laughs> you know, the work crews or whatever, back when they had the CCC going on. And they would operate up in there doing wood operations as far as harvesting wood and stuff like that. So you can go up in there and drive around these roads, and there's, there's you could get lost in there because there's no direction signs or anything. You just need to know where you are. It's not a place you just would explore, but... Some people go up in there hunting and stuff like that. So anyway, our um, custodian at our school, he says, I saw people up in there. <laughs> he said, and we wondered what they were doing. He said they had New York plates on their car. It was a late model car, like a big one, like a big Cadillac or something. He said, and they were out there camping. And they were Middle Eastern men. I mean, do you think that would be an odd thing to see in Maine, in the woods, yeah. in the wilderness? In a New York Cadillac, I mean, it, it's the kind of thing that when you live in an area like this, it just stands out. It's like, what the heck? What are they doing? Well, obviously, they didn't want to be seen, so they didn't check into the local hotel. Right. But what were they doing out there? Yeah, some type of skullduggery. And and you wouldn't, I mean, the the whole thing was, the one I ran into was at a department store. And it was just the oddest occurrence. And when I called and told them about it, they were saying to me that I was being like, you know, uh, judgmental or racist or whatever towards a person that was different. And I said, you don't understand. This person was out of context. They didn't belong here. And they were just, they were telling me, you know, well, you can't, you know, you can't judge by that. And I said, I certainly can. And I said, you know, I, I said, if, if somebody was, riding on a big white horse down the middle of the street with a full headdress on. Don't you think I would find that odd, too? I mean, it isn't about the race. It's the fact the person's a fish out of water, and they are really glaringly out of context. And that's what this guy was. He didn't. He couldn't speak one word of English. This wasn't a tourist. 
yeah. tourists at least can say hello and you know the the thing that stood out to me with this man was that he didn't know what a dollar was and you would certainly know what currency you were dealing with if you're in a store in a foreign country and so that's why I knew something was odd about it but it happened before the event so it, the details weren't significant it was just an odd thing that happened so by the time I called it was like you know well what do I say about this that I had an odd encounter at the time I probably could have picked the person's face out because it was really you know very um, recent in my memory and also the department store would have had surveillance camera tape you know for their store and that store is no longer there it closed it was an Ames department store, and now there's a different store in there. So it's all gone, whatever they had for, you know, that kind of thing. But they really didn't want it anyway, probably. Right. They were, you know. Well, yeah. if I might jump in there, um, sure. uh, to me it seems like, while that's interesting details of, of the entire Muslim connection and scenario and everything, um, I I think in a lot of ways the, the, the Muslims were just misguided patsies like uh, Lee Harvey Oswald and, and, and the, the, the bigger players, the more responsible and culpable individuals were the high-level officials in, in the United States government that engineered the whole thing. Oh, yeah, I think that you're right about that. I think that they didn't uh, mastermind anything. But yeah. anyway, my phone my phone's gonna go dead. I can hear it beeping. The battery, low battery, because I've been on so long. Yeah, if if I could so summarize what, guys know what that I might two, go dead. What you, the two of you have been talking about the last three or four minutes, uh, as we walk the cat backwards, and we see we've discuss, we've been discussing 9/11 for going on 15 years here, uh, and then going back to the uh, the early days of of uh, Able Danger on Micro Effect Radio. Uh, and and then as you brought up Tim White and some some discontent there, I think some of the justifiable discontent in Able Danger was because why aren't we seeing action? We're, we're exposing yeah. some real bad guys here, and you know, we we should be seeing action right now. And the FBI is not doing anything. Oh, well, and, but now they're, they're we're, sock puppets for the evil empire. That they were complicit in the whole thing. You know, we, well, we've got to engineer it ourselves. Field and and the rest of us need to well, engineer the solutions ourselves. We need to get our hands dirty here. Yeah. Well, let me lead up to this. Uh, we've kind of been stalled in seeing in action because there was still another little thing we hadn't figured out yet. And uh, Field has has uncovered this network of pedophiles that were the the backbone of this whole city of london control of numerous aspects of our government that caused the stand down orders on the military and now for, if you can think back earlier part of this evening's show shucks we're coming up on a four-hour show tonight uh, uh it's th- more than that okay we're coming up on a four and a half to five hour show yeah the, the the point is that uh, if in alternative energy I encountered situations where inventors were getting murdered, and when it gets yeah. handed over to the police or FBI or whoever, it goes up to a certain stage, and then somebody pulls out the rubber stamp that says, do not investigate. Or yeah. in the military situation, somebody pulls out the rubber stamp and says, stand down. Now, who at these really high levels has the power to do that? And now we're finding out with Scalia's death, 
and Fields Research with Marcy's activities, these yeah. are a group, of, a network of pedophiles doing yeah. all this garbage against all of us. Yeah, yeah. Well, the whole Kathy O'Brien and, and, and uh, Boys Town, Nebraska thing and Ted Gunderson, you know, all of these things have been, even before 911, th- those things, those pieces were in place. And, and, yeah. and so we're, we're putting together a real detailed and, and well-documented picture of exactly the sort of evil that we confront here. But in the name of God, we need to get some type of a response, some type of court action or something yeah. in place to where we can confront these devil worshipers. But when the chief justice of the Supreme Court is part of the bad guys, how are you going to get anything done underneath him? Well, well, see, um, this is where my own field of expertise, and I don't mean to go Tim White on you here or anything, but um, uh, uh, the the federal court system is a court of limited jurisdiction, and, and, and the vast repository of judicial power was reserved to the states, including the right to try crimes, and and uh, that decentralizes even further on down into the counties and to the precincts. The, our, our judicial power um, is, is um, uh, constitutionally decentralized in a multitude of areas, and um, we've got the right to form our own courts and hold our own investigations. We don't have to depend upon the Roman law-based civil municipal governments to 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 produce uh, due process of law and administer justice or at least uh, put it wrap it, wrap it up in a package and 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 put it in front of executive officers and demand that okay. they do Charles I, I will not argue with your karma with your comments one iota I may be in total agreement with you, with you but I have to bring up another issue look sure. what happened to Lavoy well, right. But, Every but, but, legal aspect that he was leaning on with his life and the passengers of his car was actually correct. Right. But we right, had right. belligerent idiots out there with guns and no IQ points who killed him. And that's in their most favorable light. The worst light is that they're complicit murderers. That too. Yeah, yeah. So, but but um, uh, the, the, the Lavoie was on the correct general pathway. He just his particular strategy there, especially with his final comments, was 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 defective. And and so I dare suggest that we need to follow similar pathways as what Bundy and Lavoie were doing, and and others that have gone before. Um, but we just need to re-engineer it with more strategy and wisdom in in the step by step process. Yeah, so I guess the rhetorical question I'll close on tonight, and I, yeah, and I don't even want to receive an answer to this because it is rhetorical the way I'm wording it here. Which set of rules are we supposed to be following? Due process of law. Lavoie was following one set of rules. The low IQ gun pointers were following a different set of rules. Which set of rules are we, the public, supposed to be following? And how then are we supposed to respond to those who are following a completely different set of rules? And unfortunately, in nine times out of ten, they have bigger guns than I do. How are right, we supposed to react to that? Well, just briefly, the, the, the rule of law is it does not follow the guns. It, it, uh, it, it's an intellectual, spiritual process for administering justice and uh, by due process of law. And, and, and just j- having more guns does not equate to lawful authority. 
Um, yeah. And I know there's a lot more discussion there, as you indicated, and yeah. I'm sure Ginger's well, phone's going dead, too, so the, we ought to wrap it up, probably. Yeah, j- just the guideline of my own personal life is I just always have to resort back to the golden rule that Christ taught. I, I treat others as I want them to treat me, and if they want to act improperly against me, then that's on their conscience. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they kill me while I'm doing out trying to commit righteousness, uh, then that's uh, as as Scripture says, that's heaps of coals on their head. Yeah. So uh, we just have to have to close on that. And before everybody's battery dies, I want to thank everybody for hanging in here tonight. This has been a long one. A wicked long one, yeah. Yeah, but uh, but thank you so much, Charles, for calling in, and uh, I appreciate your uh, your two cents worth on on the conversation tonight. Well, thank you both. It's, it's been a pleasure sharing company with you. Okay. Oh, good. Thanks. Great here. Okay, well, Ginger, I'll hand it over to you to close it out, and I'll just say good night from the West Coast, and uh, Lord willing, we'll see everybody next week, if I can remember yeah. that yeah. it's Thursday next week. Yeah, really. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, in five minutes, we'll be tomorrow here. Oh, so. boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is Not another so long new it turned to the next day. Yeah. yeah. Well, th- this is a powerful night. You, we, yeah. we all went over some important stuff here. Yeah, we did. I think it. I think it's a good thing. Yeah. It's almost like back in the old college days when we'd sit up all night and talk about stuff, and then go, "Hey, we got to go to class." The sun came up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All okay. right then. Well, thank you very much. Okay. Good night, everybody from the West Coast. Here. Good See you night. Next week. Yeah, most of the people that are still hanging in here are all West Coasters. I don't have any East Coasters, do I? Oh, I have John. John's an East Coaster. But the rest, I believe, are all West Coasters. So, all righty then. I can't do it at like 3 in the afternoon or something. I'm just kidding, because then you couldn't do it either. All right. Have a good night, everyone. I'm going to stop this before my phone's completely gone. I'll give you a couple minutes if I can to uh, finish up your saying good night. Thanks, everyone. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.